Hello, and welcome to episode number 21 of The Third Power. This is Anthony Avatolo, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Usman Jamil. Yep, I'm here. He sounds just as excited as I am, folks. I'll let him play. <laughs> All right, well, in this episode, of course, we need to do our triannual, quad annual, well, how do you split it, the four parts? Our, our uh, four quarterly our quarterly cube set review update here. And, of course, we'll be talking about Innistrad. Uh, but before we get to that, I hope you guys did your homework from last week because we're going to talk about those cards and whether or not they're splashable. If you need to look them up, go look up on the uh, show notes from last time or go give it a listen, and uh, we'll see you in a couple of hours. <laughs> it's, on the, it's on the blog. Like, I had a bunch of uh, polls, whatever, for it. Yes. It is also. Yeah. And we even have results of people's voting as well, too, whether or not these cards are splashable. So, number one, let's go through them here real quick. Jackal Pump. To me, not splashable. No. Easy to cast, not splashable. Right. Easy to cast, not splashable, because if you, uh, it takes you a few turns to find that red mana, your 2 1 uh, Jackal Pap, not that impressive. Not that impressive. Jackal Pap? Yeah, Pap. Because you used to shack people's paps. You're like, uh, pap, shack your pap, pap, shack your pap. That was a uh, old school slide. That's all it was, was shacking paps. Um, was like Curse Scroll? Yeah, it was Curse Scroll worked, and you used to shack people's uh, goblin patrols. They were paps, too. Yeah. <laughs> shack your pap, goblin cadet, shack your pap. Them's the way things went. All right, next card, Blood Braid Elf. Would you like to lead off on this one? Seems fine. Yeah, I think so too. Because uh you're still getting a, a three two hasty threat. And you know what? It comes stapled with another spell. So even if you can't cast it until turn five or six, if you're in one of those colors, I think it's I think it's absolutely splashable. Now, if you're not either of those colors and you're trying to double splash for it, that's where I think it's not that impressive. Yeah, it's a bit too greedy. Because the other thing too is if you are uh I mean, I guess if you're mono-white, that's the only pseudo... I guess you could be white-black-aggressive? I don't know. It just seems way too greedy to try to get... Uh, especially since it's two of the aggressive colors. It just seems a little bit too greedy to try to land this card in time. So. Yeah. All right. Vindicate, I believe, is imminently splashable. I mean, it's a three-mana spell, but there is no reason that you have to cast it on turn three. This spell is going to be good at any point in time in the game. So if it takes you a few turns to find it, that second color mana, I say, by all means, that card's going to kill uh, Call of the Herd tokens. It's going to kill, you know, Jackal Paps just as well as it's going to kill a Maloku or any of those other pesky creatures or even a land or an artifact. Or Planeswalkers or whatever. Or Planeswalkers or, you know, permanents that don't have uh, Shroud or Hexproof. Yeah. protection from them, the colors. What say you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree. <laughs> I got nothing, yeah. So here's the other thing. I think Vindicate is a card that, depending on what your mana looks like, I would consider double splashing for Vindicate. Mm, I, mean, I would definitely consider it in a control deck. Blue, red? Yeah you're, like, yeah, you're like a blue-red deck, but you just have, like, the sickest mana possible, or you're the artifact deck and you have a ton of signets and mana-producing artifacts of different colors. Yeah. 
I think, you know, if you need another playable, I think it's, I mean, this is a situation of if your deck needs it, needs a little better way to deal with things. Like, I mean, I've played some, you know, pretty crazy spells in the artifact deck because I just have, like, tons of signets and, you know, bounce lands and other things that I can play and get colors of mana off of signets and uh, the three mana artifact that you get to charge up ahead of time. Coalition Relic. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, charge it, untap, tap it again, vindicate your thing. So, that works. I, I mean, I don't think you should be doing it all the time, but I think you could if you need it. Yeah. Where I don't think I would do that with Bloodbraid Elf. No. So. It seems like that, by the time you get the Bloodbraid Elf mana in like an aggressive deck, it just seems like it's way too little, way too late. And it's not worth disrupting your mana that much. Right. You know, and once again, you guys, like, if you have to splash because your deck is terrible and you need playables, I mean, by all means, but hopefully, uh, if you've been listening all this time, hopefully that won't happen to you so much. So, I mean, right. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> right, exactly. Stormfront Pegasus. No. Why? Same thing as Bloodbraid, but worse. Like, it just seems irrelevant, like... If you're going to splash in, like, an aggressive deck or something. It's the same kind of thing where I said before. It's easy to cast, but it doesn't mean it's splashable. Exactly right. And this is a card that I think people really fall into the trap of doing, is splashing a card like this, because, oh, my God, it's an invasive guy. But, like, how much is that 2-1 flying guy going to matter on turn 5 or 6 when you finally cast him? All right, I guess I don't take 5 from Kaiga for a turn. Yeah. Like... They better not attack me with their Kage, because I'm going to crack them for two. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, not a fan in general, but, uh, yeah, not easy to cast, not splashable. Yeah. All right, here's a harder one. Haro. 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 <laughs> <Again. laughs> no, but no, not, not splashable. Now, I, I happen to agree with you that I don't think it's splashable, and for this reason... Haro is there to fix your mana. If your mana has to be fixed to cast it, seems a little uh, seems a little backwards. Yeah. To me. That being said, a certain uh, guest uh, host of our show on occasion has been known to splash green fixing spells. Jeez. <laughs> so uh, that that's your. Like to play uh, brainstorms. Yes, he does. Love uh... himself a brainstorm or four. <laughs> He sure does. All right, next. Furball. Yep. Yes, all day long, yes. I, I forget if I asked this on the last episode, but would you splash a Devil's Play, even if most of the time it's going to be a Blaze? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, if you're splashing Fireball, you're probably not uh, planning on really splitting it. You know, because yeah. Fireball's like one of those things where, oh, well, we get to the this endgame situation, the, the last phase to use a... Floresian, Floresian term. You get yeah, that right. phase three or whatever it was, or whatever he calls it, <clears throat> where you're looking to finish people off. And I think Devil's Play does the job just as well as Fireball. And I think even if, depending on how greedy, actually, I guess I'll open the question. Like, depending on your how good your mana is, would you splash for the flashback on it? I, I don't know how to splash for the flashback without just like assuming to splash Blaze. But, like, I would definitely be more willing to, for example, if for some reason I only had room to splash one card 
and it either had to be fireball or devil's play. I'm trying to think of a, a situation where this would possibly come up. Um, if I have the mana to do it, and I can only play one card, or let's say it's a, a pick in a pack, and I know I want to splash for one of them, if my mana is good enough, a.k.a. I have, you know, at least four to five easy sources of red, you know, things like fetch lands, dual lands, uh, artifact mana, yeah, I'll, I'll, if, especially if I'm an aggressive deck, I will gladly take the Devil's Play over the Fireball. If I'm a control deck, I might be more willing to take the Fireball because my uh, because I might be more willing to want the splitting effect more than the flashback. Then again, flashback still kills a creature too, but I feel like I would be more willing to splash the Fireball in slower decks and the Devil's Play in faster decks. Hmm. What do you think of that? I don't know. Like, it seems like I would rather, like, Splash, do the Devil's Play in aggressive control decks because there's an inevitability of just wanting to get the triple red. It's kind of like when you play it normally and you play some dude like a 5-5 five five, and then you just go like, oh, here comes not number 2. Oh, oh, here comes number 3. You know, just like that inevitability, I guess. Mm-hmm. It just seems like it'd be easier to reset and control, I guess. I, I think you're right, but is that better than being able to split it and kill two or three guys. Depends on the rest of the deck, to be honest. Maybe it depends on how many wraths I would have or something. Like, if it was, like, white-blue control. Sure. And if I had just... If I had, like, say, wrath and route or something. Uh-huh. And then, I don't know. But, yeah, I think the lesson here is that it depends on the deck. Right. And, you know, a lot of things depend on the deck. I don't think there's black or white answers to a lot of these cards. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I would definitely splash the living crap out of... X spells, so easy to easy to cast X spells. We did it. So there you go. All right, Garrick Wildspeaker. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, why? Double green. And I don't know if it, I don't know like by the time you reach it, I don't know if it has this, uh, a huge impact or anything. I don't know. This seems not enough. I love Garrick Wildspeaker, but I don't think it flashes. Yeah, for me, the, the, it's the combination of the double cost, and you figure it's going to take you longer to hit a double mana cost on your splash than it is a single. So that means your uh, the timeline is going to be stretched a little bit. And I, I think the combination of that and the power level of it when it does come down, I think would lead me to not splash for it. I'd have to be solid in that color. Or my mana has to be insane. I mean, granted, I've had some decks that, you know, the mana is just nuts. You know, just like solid can produce double of any any of three colors, but I only wind up playing one or two spells of the third color. But, you know, you know, once again, the lesson here is if, you're, if your mana is good enough, you can almost do whatever you want. Yeah. I don't, a lot yeah. of people don't draft lands high, highly enough to be able to do stuff like that. Yeah, pick your hands, lands higher, seriously. People don't do it. They don't listen. And then they're like, man, I can't cast my spells. My opponent's been casting all these different things. All right. Next. Chandra Firebrand. Uh, I don't know. Depends on the deck, again. But, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely special Chandra Firebrand. I've seen it do enough things now um, in the late game where... It can be pretty absurd. So, uh, saw this one recently. 
to add on to previously I was talking about copying Plowander. Uh-oh. So uh, Chandra Firebrand pass. It lives for the turn. Neg to Entwine Root Awakening. <laughs> Float the mana. Fireball you for half your life total. Attack you for the rest. Jeez. Ah. <laughs> Good God. Ah, uh, the cube. I've seen Time Spiral get uh, Firebranded. Yeah, that would make a few manas. Yeah. There were no spells cast in between, but it was still just like a ton of mana. Right. Like a ton of mana, and it's just like you can just randomly, oh, I drew some burn spells. All right. <laughs> Do it again. All right. Marari's Wake. Yeah. It's pretty easy. Yeah. Marari's Wake is probably, for me, outside of a spell like Fireball, that's just like splashing the X spell. Um, I think Marari's Wake is like a perfect candidate. Um, if your deck wants five mana spells, which is, you know, should be two thirds of your decks, this card is insane. Uh, I, I, I can probably, the ratio of times I've untapped with Marari's Wake in play and then lost that game is very, very small. Yeah, not so high. I mean, this is also a card. I'm going to go ahead and admit it. I've double splashed a Marari's Wake quite a few times. Been like a uh, blue-black control deck and just splashed Marari's Wake off of like, you know, a Signet, a Bounce Land, and a, uh, a what's her name? The uh, artifact we were talking about earlier that I can't think of the name of right now. Uh, uh oh. The one you charge it up. Oh, Coalition Rally. Coalition Rally. Yeah. And uh, never really had a problem casting it. Because all I have to do, you know, I'm a blue deck. I've drawn cards. All I have to do is cast one of those three cards. And literally at any point in time when I cast Morari's Wake, it's good. So, yep. Thumbs up. All right. Ravages. Yeah, easy. Yeah, for sure. Calciderm. Nah. It's an abyss, but it, I don't know. Again, it just seems like... It doesn't seem worth wrecking your mana base for, even though I really, really, really like Calciderm. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I love me a Calciderm. And uh, it's just, once again, it's got a pretty big impact, but it, if it comes a little bit too late, they're going to be able to deal with it or, you know, not have to worry about it that much. Yeah. On the other hand, Jace the Mind Sculptor, I'm double splashing. I, I am splashing if it's possible. Depends on, the, depends on the deck, really. But Well, yeah, like, you're not going to splash it in, like, your red-green aggro deck. Or, or your red-white aggro deck or whatever. But if you're, for example, like a white-black mid-range or control deck... Yeah, that's worth it. Yeah, like, and granted, you know, these are all, you know, obviously if the card just doesn't fit in the archetype, you don't do it. But for me, um, I'm stretching my mana a little bit for Jace. Yeah. I don't have a big problem doing that. Would you do it for, uh... Klondike Bar? Yes. <laughs> I was going to say a memory adept, Jace. Oh, yeah, for sure. What about... New Luciana. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I haven't gotten a chance to play with her yet. Oh, snap. Innuendo. Right. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my Foreshadowing. Queen. Oh, my, oh, my queen. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, the big Sky Swallower. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. For sure. If you have a deck that can produce seven mana, I'm in. Also, this would be another card I would consider, you know, possibly double splashing for if you need a finisher. Because, I mean... The card does cost seven mana. Yeah. You <laughs> like, probably get there. You have a little bit of time to cast it if your deck is capable and wants to cast seven drop spells. 
So yeah. Although, uh, let's say you have room for just. And Adam, let's look at all these questions today. Like, say you have, uh, let's say you have the, the white black control deck. Okay. And you shoot. You have the choice between Sky Swallower and Battle Sphere as your seven drop finisher. Battle Sphere, so I don't have to screw up my mana. Okay, that works. <laughs> Okay, uh, yeah. That's kind of the way I feel about it. And in, and in black-white, too, you may very well have a way to bring it back into play. Oh, God, recurring nightmare. Or, you know, things of that nature, which are going to be a little more inherently broken with uh, Enter the Battlefield coming to play effects than with a Sky Swallower. But if I don't have a finisher, if I just, if, like, I have this white-black deck and I just have a bunch of, like, uh, fours and a couple of fives, I might consider it. If I have, like, access to, once again, like, the Bounce Land, uh, a, you know, a Signet, some other stuff. Yeah, I mean, if I, you know, happen to take it early in, let's say early-ish, early to mid-pack one, but I wind up in a black-white deck, if I don't have a super solid pick, yeah, I'll, I'll take a Signet or a Bounce Land and, and see what happens and see what my deck looks like at the end. I'll leave myself open to the idea. Hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, what's the worst that happens? You don't play it. Who cares? So. Yeah, that is just, yeah. All right, Keld Marauders. Nah. I'm trying to think if, like, if I'm in, like, a Naya Zoo deck, and I would and try to use that, like, maybe that and then some other, like, a that and a Firebolt or something. But for the most part, no. I'm just trying to think of if there are exceptions. Yeah, like, I mean, I might be willing to splash a Firebolt because you get multiple uses out of it because you're going to get four damage out of a card. Yeah. I was just trying to think of some generic burns, like, Fireballs or like incinerate or chain lightning or something. That I could see flashing. Sure, like Killer Marauders, like it's so much of its value comes from playing it early, and then you play it on like turn two or three, and then it's like, okay, do you want to take five or chump and then take two? Because you're not going to have anything that kills this thing that early. Right, or you're just going to get it out of the way first before before bashing them with it. So. Yeah, Kelvin Marauders, by the way, is just, I think, probably one of the most brilliantly card designed cards ever. Yeah, I like it a lot. I'm a fan. All right, last one. Dark Confidant. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I like Bob. I like Bob. <laughs> Once again, it's kind of deck dependent. If your deck's full of fours, fives, and sixes, and you're slow, maybe you don't want them. But I'm, okay. I'm perfectly fine with waiting until turn five to cast him in an aggressive deck. Because if he lives, you're just going to keep drawing the gas to hopefully finish them off, since they're not dead yet. I was going to say, even if I had a bunch of four or five drops, I wouldn't play Bob in my deck anyway. So, I'm uh, not going to lie. I've, I, I've played some mid-range decks with uh, fours and fives, like with some with a heavier life gain component. Oh, okay. In which there I some, you know, bail off dot deck, etc. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, you're like, you know... White, you know, you're a white-green deck that has access to, like, uh, locks it on Hierarch and random X bail off and... Setters. Right, right, right. You're like, sure, get in there. All right, cool. Well, hopefully that shed a little bit of light on, on what we're talking about, you guys, with as, as far as the difference between splashability and castability. That. Yeah. Being splashable is not the same as being easy to cast. Hope you did your homework. Submit. You can submit your grades online to mtgthethirdpower at gmail.com. We'll enter them in our grade book. <laughs> so, all right. Would you like to do a crack a pack before we get started with our usual business as well? Well, yes. Oh, yes, I would. sweet. We're going to use my cube. 
Once again, for you guys who don't know, my cube's a 540-ish card, unpowered. I was actually going to ask because I saw like your cube on the, uh, you know, like on the blog thing where it's like 540-ish. Uh-huh. And I was gonna, I was meant to ask you like, like does it have slightly more cards or something? It is it is like 545, but that's just because it, I've been a little wishy-washy about cutting the last few cards, and I'm I, I've been using the technique of adding cards to try them out instead of just making a cut and trying something. I've just been adding a few cards at a time to try them out. So I would like to get it secured at around 540, but the actual numbers never quite settle in at 540. So, okay. so yeah, that's why. That works. I'm trying to keep it in that, in that range, but I, I'm not a big stickler, and it has to be X number of cards. I don't care if it's a couple cards over or a couple cards under as as a make room and figure it out. All right, ready for this uh, her cracker pack? Let's do this. All right, here we go. Card number one is Animate Dead. All righty. Are, are you typing these in or am I doing it, by the way? Uh, would you mind typing? Yeah, sure. I just saw your name in the cell. Oh, okay. Animated. Okay. Card number two is Drana, Colostria Blood Chief. Card number three, Overgrown Tomb. Card four, Student of Warfare. Card number five, Grim Lavamancer. Number six, Noble Hierarch. Number seven, Skin Render. Oh, dearie. He's rending some skin, I guess. Card number eight, Vampire Nighthawk. Oh, dear. Card number nine, Master of the Wild Hunt. Card number 10, Vampire Lacerator. Got a lot of vampires in here. Card number 11, Chameleon Colossus. Would you like? You'd like Chameleon Colossus and attacking for eight. <laughs> <laughs> Next card, Ancient Tomb. Oh, dear. How has that card been working out for you, by the way? Um, I haven't had a chance to really play it yet, but it seems solid enough in the decks I've seen it, seen run it. So... Thirteen, Garrick Primal Hunter. The big Garrick. Fourteen, Graveborn Muse. So many zombies and vampires. And card number fifteen, Cargan Dragonlord. Somewhat prophetic. All right. What's huh. the pick? Uh. No blue cards. Huh. That's weird. Do you want to start eliminating some cards, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, we can, uh... Hmm. <laughs> I feel like if I'm going to take a black creature, I feel like Nighthawk and Graveborn Muse are going to be further down on that list than Lacerator, Drana, or Skinrender. Yeah, that sounds right. So let's go ahead and cut Nighthawk and uh, Graveborn Muse. If I'm going to take a heavy green card, I think I want Garrick Primal Hunter over Canadian Colossus. Yeah. But I'm not convinced if I want it over Master of the Wild Hunt. I don't know. I, I really like that card. I was just, I really like Garrick. Master of the Wild Hunt, I like too. Non-committal answer is non-committal. Would you, uh, would you like to cut Chameleon Colossus? Why, yes. Okay. In a lovely shade of blue. All right. How about, um, can we cut Dragonlord out of Dragonlord and Lava Mancer? Yeah, that's pretty easy. I can get behind that. All right. 
Um, do you want to cut either of the lands? I don't know if I want to do that at this point. Uh, if I would cut any, I would probably cut Overgrown Tomb. I'm actually thinking Ancient Tomb as my just pick. But I don't know. Six shots. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm willing, like, I feel like this pack has enough black and green cards in it, that depending on the size of the draft, we can lap the Overgrown Tomb, and it'll be in our colors. Yeah, that's true. Is there much white? Like, is Student the only white card? Student of Warfare, which, i got to be honest, also like. Huh. I think I can cut uh, Ancient uh, Reanimate uh, Dead at this yeah. point also. Once again, I think if I'm taking a black card, I'm probably taking one of the other three more than Animate Dead. Yeah. Huh. All right, so that leaves us with Student of Warfare, Grim Lavamancer, Drana, Skin Render, Lacerator, Garrick, Master, Noble Hierarch, and the two lands. Hmm. What do you think is the best green card so far? Like, I think between Hierarch, Garrick, and, yeah, Master, I'm thinking Noble Hierarch might be the best card, green card. Yeah, like, Noble Hierarch is obviously very, very good. Should we cut the other two, then? This is, this is kind of tough, because I think it depends on what kind of a deck you'd like to play. For example, I have not had the chance to draft or to play Garrick Primal Hunter yet, so I might be willing to, to draft that just to, to try it. Yeah, when I'm testing new cards, I'll definitely take new cards higher, or cards that I haven't tried. So I'm like, I want to see if this deck works. But, I mean, Noble Hierarch works in in quite a few different decks. So, yeah, this is kind of tough. I don't know. I I don't know. I think I might just want to go with Ancient Tomb, but, jeez. Just go outside. Last week was, we thought last week was hard. What the... Just go outside the box and take Ancient Tomb and, and see what happens? Probably. I mean, it's, it's very safe pick. And I, I don't know. I just like an Ancient Tomb in my deck. Sure, sure. But, I don't know. Like, uh... I, I mean, I'm also tempted to take a Lava Mancer here. I like Lava Mancer a lot. Yeah. Uh, Drana, I mean, Skin Render is... This is a... Whew. Yeah, sick. This is a puppy. All right, so I guess we'll just make a pick here and uh, get on with our lives. I think I'll stick with the Ancient Tomb. All right. I would, give, I would give honors to Lava Mancer and Student Warfare, I think. And, and like, Skin Render. And Gary. Yeah. Yeah, this is tough. I think I am going to go... The triple green does is a little scary. Pack one, pick one. Yeah, that is true. And uh, I actually like the 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 green blue archetype a lot. So I'm going to make my pick hierarch. I think that works. And see if I can push a either a, a blue white, you know, some sort of bant strategy or like green blue or and the card's still fine in green white as well. So I think it's fine even like green red or something or green black. Well, sure. If we, if we loop a bunch of green-black stuff, like... Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously we have the chance to, you know, at this point to loop a, a Colossus, a Master, or a Garrick. I mean, we uh, shouldn't loop a Garrick, I don't think, but yeah. just, you never know. Colossus attacking for 10. Right. For 20. <laughs> and attacking for 10. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Ancient Tomb and Noble Hierarch. Sweet. There we go. That was, that was a nice pack. Yeah. Yeah, good pack. All right. Well, let's. Uh, how about we get to the meat and potatoes of this uh, this podcast here, and that's talking about Innistrad and what cards you want, or you might want to keep an eye out and consider testing or inclusion for your cube. I guess yeah. it's been a while. Now, granted, Zendikar just had a ton of cards for cube, um, and 
I haven't seen, and, and this has been pointed out by a few people, there hasn't been a, a set in a while that people are varying so greatly on the number of cards or what cards they want in their queue. Yeah, like, uh, I've just been trying a lot of stuff just because so many of the cards are just really weird. What? Huh? I have no idea if this card's any good. I'll try it. I mean, some are pretty obvious. Sure. But, yeah, we're, we'll try to, you know, cover the major hits and misses. We'll probably make fun of the ones that suck if we have time. I'll make bad puns or something. Right, right. You'll giggle a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> a little. We'll, uh, we'll figure out what to do. Well, let's, you know what, let's start with one of those. I, I, what I think, and I'm sure you agree, is a slam dunk include. Is, uh, and since, you know, this is a nice way to talk about the mechanic as well, is Cloister View. Yeah. I, I feel like this card should be just like an auto-include for, for most decks, for most cubes. I'm really hesitant to usually put the, the auto-include stamp for, like, all cubes, but I, I, this one's it does two mana, three, three. That's, it's easy to cast, and it attacks. Right, easy to cast, it attacks, and it, you know, if uh, your cube has, you know, uh, destroy non-black effects in it still... It's even harder to kill than if it were just a three, a white three three for two. That's true. So if you're still running, you know, terror snuff out things of that nature. I mean, it's black on the attack. You know, it's pretty awesome. And this is, uh, you know, basically for people who don't know what it is, it's one and a white one one. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may transform cloister youth, so you don't have any sort of you don't have those werewolf clauses of. Uh, people needing to not cast spells to get it to flip. And it just says at the beginning of your end step, you lose one life. So it kind of turns into a cross between, somewhere between Josem Jin and Fledgling Jin. Yeah. But the other thing, too, is that you don't lose the life until the end of your turn. So you've already gotten your attack in before you have to lose your life. And if they kill it, then you conserve that life. Not that... I don't think that's super important, but I think it's. I think it has some value in the equation. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt. So, I think it's just an interesting thing to note. But yeah, I feel like this should just be an auto include. And for people who have uh, complained about the transform mechanic, as far as the uh, logistics of it, um, I got to be honest. I, you know, I played in the pre-release, and I didn't use sleeves. I didn't have a single problem with the transform mechanic. Not a big deal. Just play the checklist cards. And, you know, just like when you have to reach for a token, you just have, like, your stack on, of cards on the side. And when you play your checklist card, you just reach for the stack and put that card into play. It's not a big deal at all. At all. I mean, the checklist cards are kind of ugly, but, meh, doesn't really bother me. If you're playing, obviously, if you're playing a cube and using, you know, fully opaque sleeves, especially if you're double-sleeved, this should not be even a remote issue. Um, I could see people complaining about having to handle the card all the time, but if you're double sleeve, who cares? Yeah, there's no real damage or anything. It's just like, yep, oop, oop. Right, and the thing is, is, you know, if you're worried about, okay, well, I didn't put the card back or blah, 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 whatever, then once you take it out of the inner sleeve, just lay it on top of the regular sleeve. And then that way, if they kill it, you can then put it back in and put it in your graveyard. You know, put it back in the right way. If you're worried about, okay, well, I don't want to put it back in transformed and then shuffle it in that way, and then when I draw it for the next game, I don't know what the front side does, 
so I have to flip my card around and give away my hand. Just don't put it back in the sleeve right away. Just put it back in the sleeve at the, you know, put it on top of your outer sleeve, and at the end of the game, or, you know, or when it dies or whatever, then move it back. Yeah. Uh, like, somebody on uh, MTGS made, like, uh, proxies where they're kind of, they're kind of like the flip cards where there's, like, half is one, half is the other. Uh-huh. And I'm going to try those out, see how they are. But, yeah, it just sure. seems like, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like that big of an issue. But I don't know, I actually was another pre-release, but it seemed, I, I did bird a little bit, but it just, yeah, seemed like it really wasn't that big of an issue. Yeah, I mean, I thought the idea was, you know, I had grumbles about it just like everybody else when we first saw it, but after doing it, I just don't care. Or, you know, one tournament and I already don't care about it. Yeah. So, what about some of our next cards we have listed here? Uh, you have yeah, a, just kind of put all these together, like Angel of Flight, Alabaster, Angelic Overseer, Champion of Parish, Deeply Departed, like all these, like, Dearly Departed? Yeah, yeah. What did I say? Deeply Departed? Deeply, oh, whatever. <laughs> I hate playing these cards anyway. <laughs> I guess that kind of sums it up. They're just like, just meh, kind of tribal cards. I, I don't know. I got no interest. Yeah, I, I feel like while some of the tribal cards may have an impact, um, I, I, don't, I feel like these are too expensive or Champion of Parish is the one drop. I just think there's... Things have to go too correctly during your draft, during a cube draft, to make it playable. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like a payoff really is that good, even when it does. Right, I mean, if you're building a constructed deck, sure, then you can build around it, but... Or even a even a Innistrad draft that you can build or, build your draft deck around it. Yeah, this... not so much. Yeah, not too, not too thrilled with, with any of those. What about uh, Divine Reckoning? Like, I typed uh, the name, and then, like, a little explanation in the card itself, and I typed, like, what is this? I don't even, like, I, it's such a weird wrath effect. Like, there might be a deck for it, like, but I'm not sure what deck wants it. Like Right, I mean, the price is right. Yeah. This kind of effect. But the fact that everyone gets to keep a creature, I mean, we, we've seen keep a creature cards before, for example, like Cataclysm. The thing about Cataclysm, though, is that it wrecks their lands, too. Yeah. You know, this is just keep a creature. Literally, I think the only use out of this card, I mean, I saw someone at our pre-release have Lumber Knot in play and cast this card. Oh, jeez. Night, there's like a, you got a 2020 instantly or <laughs> Right. They're like, oh, by the way, I have a, I have an 11-11 afterwards. What do you have? Yeah. Oh, a 3-3. Three, three. Sweet. Yes, I'll win now. Attack you. And the flashback, I think, is interesting, but I don't know, like, would you, like, for example, would you want to play some, like, a mid-range deck or something? Like, yeah, like, like maybe it, deck? Like, maybe it would be good. The thing is, is I feel like it would be good for mid-range versus aggro, but mid-range should have it all over aggro anyway. Yeah. Because, you know, you play your 4-4-4-4, four, 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 they have, you know, three two-power guys, and then the next, I mean, they're already probably losing one on the attack. And then, sure, you make them go down to only one two-power guy. But, like, you should already be winning that those type of games anyway. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you like, I can... Be dealing with cards, by the way. I don't think this would be any good in, like, a control deck or something where, like, you like you have your Sphinx or Titan or something, and you play that, and you just... Man, it seems a little too much BCSM. Like, you know, just 
I don't know. You know, once again, like, it's, I don't necessarily think that you want to cast, if you're the control player, yeah, you want as many rats as possible, but I think I'd rather just actually have rats that kill yeah. everybody instead of leaving one behind. And if you're control versus the mid-range player, where you just want to keep a bigger guy than them, once again, you should be winning the, the, the metagame clock matchup anyway in that situation. I just, I guess I just don't really see a niche for this card to be, to fill a role that needs to be filled. Yeah, and sometimes as well, like, one of the nice things about Wrath is sometimes you just need to one for one, or just, like, if they have two dudes, just two for one, and it's like, well, he's got a 3-3 three, three and a 4-4 four, four or something. I think I was dead. Right. But if you do this, it's just like, uh, okay, keep your stomp howler or something. I don't know. Uh, I nod my head disapprovingly. Yeah, I I think we can pass on that one. Yeah. Same thing with uh, whatever the Elite Inquisitor, essentially like the better uh, Kazandu Blade Master. Double white, 2 2 creature, first strike, vigilance, protection from vampires, werewolves, and zombies. Meh. Like, like I said, it seems like a better Kazandu Blade Master, which is essentially 2 2 vigilance, first strike, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like you're getting that much extra value. Yeah, I mean, you get a little bit extra because, I mean, there are vampires and zombies in the cube, but, eh. I, I feel like there's a lot of... I think I just feel like there's other tutus that are white-white that is just a long, a long line of them ahead of this guy. So yeah. I just don't think there's enough room for them all. Yeah. All right. What about Faceless Butcher? I mean, Fiend Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> which is uh, one white-white for a 1-3. Uh, that's a human cleric, and it basically has the Faceless Butcher effect. When it enters play... You can exile another creature. When it leaves play, bring that creature back. Was Faceless Butcher, did that have May, or did you have to do it? You had to do it. Okay, so I guess that's, that's a little... I, I think, you, well, you know, now that I see that this one has May, I'm pretty sure you had to do it. Yeah. Let me go ahead and uh, look it up, since, you know, I'm on a computer right now. <laughs> I might as well look it up. Um, oh, yeah, it's a May. Okay. It's not. I'm sorry. It's not a may. It's a must. Okay. Yeah. It seems like it's in black. You have to do it. It seems like it's in black flavor. You know, it's this horror thing. It's like, oh, I gotta eat something. Okay, I'll eat this. My own guy. Uh-huh. No, I don't know. But I don't like. This is at least the cheapest 187 creature for creatures, which is interesting. But I don't know. I don't know if it's enough. Like, I I I abhor the whole like dies to everything and whatever excuse like dies to bull dies to go for the throat or whatever. Sure. But I don't know. It just doesn't seem like its body is enough. Yeah, and it's and it's not the easiest to cast either at one white white. I think the May ability is completely irrelevant because why do you want to cast? Are you just casting this guy as a one three beater? I guess sometimes you need it, but I mean those are pretty I, bad times. Right. I think that should not be a reason to include a card. But, I mean, I could definitely see a play where you have, like, some sort of tempo play, like, you know, in a tempo type of deck, of get, get your guy out of the way and, and attack again. And But I, I, I just don't know if this is it. I unless, unless we get, like, some sort of reusable instant speed bounce where you can put the trigger on the stack and get people. Yeah. Like, momentary, like a momentary blink deck, for example. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm wondering if... If I should be evaluating in the context of something like Manowar or like Aether Depth, where it's like you're just getting, you're playing it for the tempo, but I don't know, the one power is making me sad. Yeah. 
don't know. I think it's that, you know, it, it not only is it tempoed, I mean, it's, both of these cards, you know, both of them are tempo as you get their guys out of the way and you get to bash them. But the thing about Aether Adept is that they have to recast the guy. Yeah, and that's the big thing. Like, say, you bounce their, I don't know, the worm coil engine or something, then they're down, you know, they have to pay the six band again. But if they have the removal spell or whatever or some kind of answer, then it's like, oh. Right. And, and most removal spells that kill this guy are not going to be six mana. Yeah, they're gonna be like one or two. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting. I think it's. Uh, I think it's on the outside looking in. Yeah. The the next one, Geist Honored Monk. That's uh, the uh, new Cloud Goat Ranger type guy, right? Yeah. Three double white, uh, star star creature human monk with vigilance. Its power toughness are equal to the number of creatures you control, and when it enters the battlefield, put two one one white spirit tokens of flying onto the battlefield. I think the closest comparison really is Cloud Goat, and I don't know, like, one of the things I really liked about Cloud Goat was just really consistent. It was just, like, you get five power for five mana that can, you can turn into a, you know, kind of a 5-3 flyer, usually, for, and it just was, like, so much, you know, just like a whole army in a can, like, you know, a deranged hermit, a siege gang commander, a grave titan, stuff like that, where you just get, you play and you just get a ton of power. I mean, it's six power, right? Isn't it uh, three three and three one ones? Two. Are you sure? Uh, I can double check, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's three. If it was three, I would totally be in love. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's three one ones, Cloud Goat Ranger. Oh, oh, Cloud Goat, yeah, Cloud Goat's three guys. My bad, my bad. I'm <laughs> yeah, like other one is Dice Hunter five. Yeah, like yeah. This, it, it's definitely a close comparison because um, you know your tokens can give your Cloud Goat evasion to basically go over the top, but this guy comes with a couple of evasive dudes. I mean, you do get one, two one-one spirits, and if you're in any sort of token deck or creature deck, this guy could be enormous. And you know he's a minimum 3-3 three, three when he enters play. Unless, unless you get, like, the worst-case scenario where, like, you, I don't know, kill, kill the, him with the trigger on the stack or some junk, I don't know. That, that seems, like, really bad like, really outside case kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. And, like, a pyroclasm, you know, if he's by himself, a pyroclasm kills him. Yeah. But them's the breaks. I mean, that's, you know, that happens. But I think this card is, is, is definitely interesting. Um, I just don't know if I have room for him for me. That's the I, problem. I think I may, you know, I think I may add him for, even though he does play well with it, I may add him for, like, a Conqueror's Pledge. Yeah. That seems upgrade. I can get behind that. Like, I like Conqueror's Pledge because, you know, we do play lots of off-the-top and things like that. Lots of DC-10, and that card's nuts in that format. Or, like, oh, you, know, uh, you know, a Type 4 or whatever. So that so that card has a little bit of value there from the one of the ways we play our cube, but I, I think I'm definitely down for, for, sub, for tagging him in and seeing what happens. Yeah, I can get behind that. So, all right, how about Mentor of the Meek? This card, I don't know, like, I've been trying it, and I really like it. It's kind of, it's kind of weird, because it gives you a lot of fuel, like, uh, two and two and a white, two, two creature, human soldier, when another creature with power or two, power two or less enters the battlefield, you may pay one. If you do, draw a card. By the way, this card is not so in sealed deck, just saying. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. You lots get, like, of times, uh, yeah, I had, like, a lot of the spirit-producing cards. Oh, 
So I'd have like the two two in play that when it dies you get two one ones and they're like oh. like they have to attack me and I'm like, Okay, block, pay two, draw two. Or end of turn, you know, raise the alarm on spirits. You know, so five mana, make two got make two flyers, draw two cards. It's kinda like a muldrifter. Right. Instant speed? Yeah. Instant speed, make your own Muldrifter. There you go. Like, so, no, I, yeah, I just did a lot of stuff like that and just was able to grind people out. I also had, you know, a couple of the universal pump spells. So, like, all the little 1-1 flyers, I would just be like, okay, well, I have, like, three or four of these guys. Attack you. And they're like, yeah, fine, I'll take four. Like, no, no, no. Rally the peasants. Take yeah. 12. <laughs> What's about, oh, sick, I have flash it back. Take. Hmm. Game? Twenty, please. <laughs> or, you know. So. Jeez. But for what? Cube, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not super impressed with the gray ogre body, but I think there's a fair amount of potential here. It's it's rather unfortunate that sometimes like he's when he's really good, he's really good because he just like you play him and then you just play like Savannah Line cycle, you know, draw a card. Wild Dogs play a card, you know, play it, draw a card. You know, just play all these dudes, and then sometimes when you don't, like, the times when you really want to be drawing, like, say it's kind of a stale board, nothing's really going on, and you're not drawing, you know, you're not drawing into dudes, then he's just kind of sitting there, and that's kind of awkward, but it really helps, you know, I, I think it's a pretty apt analogy, it's just like, you know, fuel for the fire, it's just like logs, you know, just like, to keep the beast going, it's like, okay, play dude, draw, play this other dude, draw, Play Spectral Procession, draw, draw, draw. You know, yeah, oh, God, Spectral Procession, good lord. Yeah, play Elspeth Tyrell, draw. Right, I mean, this card is awesome with Elspeth Tyrell, the Garrix, all three of them. Oh, jeez. You're just like, yeah. oh, dude, draw. Well, I guess it doesn't play that well with the, the, the other Garrix, because it's power two or less, sorry, the the last Garrix, because it makes two twos and one ones. Oh, right, yeah. But, I mean, with Elspeth Tyrell... Or huh. Elspeth Knight Errant. Yeah. Like, pay one, peel, peel, yeah. peel, peel. So, I mean, I think it's definitely... Uh, and the other thing I think I like that it does, too, is that, you know, w- the biggest complaint about aggro decks sometimes is you get into that mid-to-late game, and you're like, man, I really just need to draw burn spells, and instead you just draw, like, he haul two ones. Yeah. This turns those cards into something real, because at least you get to peel a card and try to get to your reach. Yeah. So I think it, it has some value there, too. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I, like, I think it's fine. Like, I'm playing it in my cube, and I'm happy with it. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely am going to try this card and see how it does. Um, Yay. I, I just kind of like the idea of it. I like, I, I like the idea of reach in it. I'm curious to try it even in something, I mean, I, I, don't, I doubt it's good enough. But, I mean, there's a part of me that kind of wants to try it in, you know, random. This card is obviously made for a token deck. So if you yeah. have a V token deck in your cube awesome. graph or whatever. But even in, in, like, in Constructed, I mean, I kind of want to try it in a Tempered Steel deck a little bit. kind of want to try it in, you know, if there's a, a human deck. Because all the will be. A lot of two or less. And I feel like just being able to just draw a ton. Like, if aggressive decks can just, like, keep drawing cards... You're eventually just going to overwhelm people just because you have, you just you just have more cards than your opponent, which is usually something reserved for blue. Uh, next card, Midnight Haunting. So, two white, two and a white instant. Put two one one. 
flying spirit tokens in the play. So one more mana than raise the alarm, but we get flying. But instant speed, easier to cast spectral procession, but we only get two dudes. Yeah, and, and instant. Pass. Yeah, I don't know. I really want to like this card, but... Yeah. Yeah. Like, raise the alarm's not remotely close to good enough. No. And, you know, while... And three dudes is obviously good enough, because, you know, any sort of anthem effect at all, and you have a lot of damage. Yeah, even just as dudes, they're they're solid. So, I mean, this is, once again... Uh, just outside looking in, I just feel like there's a whole laundry list of three mana make creatures white cards that I would include over that one. Yeah. Three mana, yeah, there's, seems like there's a decent amount of stuff you're going to three mana, too. Thank you. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. How about Micaeus the Lunark, which is the guy that was included in the From the Vault Legends that is X and a white, uh, comes in the play with X plus one plus one counters on it, and you can tap them to put a counter on it, or tap them to remove a counter and put a counter on all your other guys. Yeah, and, and, and it's a zero zero. Like, so if you pay nothing, yeah, sure. if you just pay white, it's just a zero zero. I'll be honest. Like for some for a while, I just dismissed this card as just like utter garbage. And then I think Cranny was talking about trying in his cube, and I was like, you know. It is well, and it's been a lot better than I thought it was. And it looks awful. Like, this looks like a really awkward a Johnny Goldmane kind of thing, but, I don't know, for example, it was on, like, the latest In Contention episode, and he talked about, an example he used was, like, he played against somebody who had, like, I guess a white aggro deck, and they went, uh, turn one, planes, turn two, uh, Micaeus on one, turn three, uh, Paladin on Vec, EOT charge up, uh, you know, Micaeus, so he's got two counters on him. Turn four, play two dudes, uh, Anthem them all, attack for, you know, three or whatever, and then turn four, do something, you know, get everybody. And I did the math, and it doesn't quite work out, but he says he, you know, just Anthem everybody up, kill him. But the math doesn't quite work out right, so I don't know if he was missing something. Maybe he had, like, pump the plus two, plus O pump spell or something. Could be, yeah. He said, like, Anthem, but I don't know. I'm wondering if there was, like, some equipment involved or, like, or if, like, the two dudes are played were, like, three ones. But I assume they were two twos, but I don't know. They may have been, like, a like a Blaze Six Pride and a, I don't know, Quarter Paladin or some other, like, three-power guy. I don't know. But, I mean, those are the scenarios when, like, he's solid. And I don't know, like, the time I had him in draft, like, somebody drafted, like, the white-blue kind of token deck. Okay. And he tried him in there, and, you know, like, I was like, so how is McKay? And he's like, really good. I'm like, huh? What? I mean, he's obviously insane in token decks, I think. Yeah. And I think even, like, general white aggressive decks, I think he's fine. But I, don't, I was really surprised, because that was a card I just was like, ugh. Well, i got to tell you, it's nice that it fits in any place on the curve. So instead of, like, wasting a turn, you know, you can you can plug him in at any point in your curve. Um, depending on how big he is, that's how many, you know, if, if your other guys don't need pumping just now, you can just pump him and, and save your, save him for later, or you can go to town, you know, if you're, you know, cast him on, let's say you cast him on turn three for two, next turn cast, you know, like three dudes, end of turn, 
pump your guys, untap, pump your guys, attack for nine. I mean, that doesn't seem too awful having three, three, three flyers. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of uses for this guy. I mean, I'm definitely, I'm in the same camp as you as I was very dubious when I first saw him, but I don't know. Might be all right. Might be all right. I have some ideas for him in Constructed, but I'm definitely curious how, uh, with the stories I've heard so far about him, I'm, uh, I'm down for giving him a shot and seeing how he performs. Like, I'm trying to get my cube now, and I don't know, like, he seems fun. He's been, pretty, like I said, been pretty solid, but yeah, I was really surprised. What? He's awful. It's like, I wish he had, like, one more plus one plus one counter or something. Oh, right, he started as a one one or something. Yeah. So he doesn't just die, so then you can recharge him after you use up all his counters? Yeah. Granted, with any sort of permanent anthem, and in, and in, and in conjunction with a Johnny Gold main? Oof. Oh, yeah, that's just sick. So, you know, then then you got some uh then you got some action on your hands, so Yeah, that's just nice. It was the next card, which I actually think is pretty meh. Uh, Spectral Rider. Yeah. Two two white, double white, two two, intimidate. Once again, long list of guys in front of this one. Long list of white white bears in line ahead of this one. Yeah, intimidate might might mean unblockable for most of uh decks and yeah, if you have equipment, he's probably awesome. But you know what? If you have equipment, most of your guys are going to be awesome. Yeah. So, like I said, long line of guys ahead of him, I think. And he's just, he, he's in the back. Or, I don't know if he's in the back, but he's got a lot in front. Right, he's got some leapfrogging to do, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess that right. does it for white, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's not too more in white. Like, there's a couple of cards that just aren't very good, but... I don't really think we need to talk it necessarily about them, especially in a cube format. Um, what? Uh, let's go on to blue because I feel like blue, not very. I mean, there's a couple of cards, but I'm not super impressed with the uh, the blue cards in this set. Yeah, I, I guess I don't know if they like a lot of the stuff is just. I'm looking at the list. A lot of them is just pretty bad. Like, like and I feel like. Talk. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, like, the first card, Back from the Brink. Four double blue enchantment. Exile a card from your graveyard and pay its mana cost. Put a token on the battlefield as a copy of it. Activate this ability only any time you can play a sorcery. Yeah. Nah. It seems like bad flashback for dudes. I mean, I played against it in Sealed Deck, and it was actually pretty good, because it's very good with the Morbid guys. Um, Oh, wow, yeah. A lot of times you could... Um, my opponent had the guy that makes a 2-2 homunculus, and then you sack a guy. Yeah. So a lot of times he could, he wound up gaining, uh, in the space of, you know, two turns, he was, I was one land away from burning him out, and he just, you know, sacrifice a guy, make a 2-2, play the morbid gain five life, and then... No... And then, you know, then right, and then well, then I attacked him. Well, it flashbacks, and so the guy is removed or whatever. But you know, I had like an old an eleven eleven, and I attack him. And he's just like, all right, we'll block with this four or five, you know, or attack with it, or I don't remember what he did. But regardless, it made it very easy for him to to gain ten life on me and put himself out of burn range. Boo! But what are you gonna do? Yeah, that's but fun. yeah, it's just I mean, it was very good. But then it came to the point, too, where, you know, he had, like, Scalp guys in his deck, 
And he didn't have any creatures left in his graveyard to flash to remove to cast them. Oh, that's awkward. So, but I mean, it's you know, it's a fine sealed deck card. Maybe maybe it's an okay draft card. Kind of seems kind of slow to me. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but for cube, you know, you can pay one more mana and not have to pay anything and just get their creatures and get anybody's creatures. Okay, no, no, no. yeah. Like so. you can maybe get a couple of guys like the Manowars, like twenty sevens, like you know, Manowar skin render, like a couple of them in a turn. But again, it just doesn't seem worth it. Like it's six mana. Right, you're spending six mana and six mana plus the casting cost of your guy and two cards to reuse a mana war. Like, Meh. not not that impressed. Yeah. Also, not too impressed with the cackling counterpart, which is the one blue blue instant. Put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of a target creature you control. Flashback for five and two blue. If this card didn't say, you have, didn't say that you had to target your own creature, obviously it would be way awesome. But well, that would be that would be just insane. But obviously having to having to copy your own creatures, I don't know. I, I think we've gotten enough good clones recently between uh, Phantasmal Image and. Uh, Frixian Metamorph, that I don't think there's a, a need for this card at all. Yeah. It's, I don't know, like, when I first saw it, I thought it was a bad clone, but I'm wondering if it's probably better looked at as, like, a blink type of effect, where it, like, saves your guy, you know, just like your opponent Doomblades it, and then you play this instead to, you know, kind of replicate possible 187 triggers and save your guy, or, like, you have some guys, you know, EOT, clone my dude, attack for a bunch, but, like, in my cube, for example, I've got, like, 62 cards. I do not have room for this. Like, it has its uses, like, but, no, no. I just don't think that it's really, you know, good enough. It's just... That that being said, I think if you're, like, Cranny, or if you support blue aggressive strategies... I think this card becomes significantly better. I think so. Yeah. Because you're you're actually planning on having creatures in play. Like yeah, most of my blue decks, unless you're a really a blue green deck, like your blue green tempoish type deck with ventures and and Vendillion clicks and and the blue green guys, I feel like I, I just most of my blue decks don't ever plan on having creatures in play. And if they are in play, they're pretty good on their own. And I probably, while another copy of them would be awesome, I feel like this could be a card that could just wind up sitting in your hand doing nothing. Yeah, or... And it's also kind of unfortunate that a lot of the cards in those decks, like uh, like I said, V-Click, Venser, Kaiga, Maloku, they're all legends. Right. Which is really awkward with this, because you can't really replicate the whole Blink thing with it. So like, right, Sky Swallower, awesome. you can't target. Yeah, yeah, that too. The, only, the creatures I can think of that I could see coming before turn, you know, turn two and stuff like that in control X are like walls, like Spell Sky or Wall of Omens and, you know, like Mother of Runes or something like that. But, yeah. But I don't think there's enough targets, like there's enough cards that you want to do that with and rely on being able to have them and have them in play when you cast this. Yeah. And that's the, that's the you know, that's the rub. So, I'm going to pass. Yeah. I'm pretty happy with the number of clones we've gotten recently. 
Yeah, before it was kind of like I, uh, you know, cut shapeshifter, cut regular clone, cut red replication. There were no real, there weren't many drawbacks to being a legendary creature, and now there is. I mean, oh. that's not why I put in like Phantasmal Image and Frickin' Metamorph, but you know, they're good. But it's nice to have them those drawbacks be, you know, the legendary thing be a relevant drawback again. Sure. And yeah, this cackling, yeah. I want another in the long line. I want to like this card, but I can't. Yeah, just don't at like least, it enough. At least for cube. It's the kind of the same thing with a civilized scholar slash homicidal brute. Oh, I think this card is hysterical. Yeah. It's yeah, it's really weird. It's like two in a blue, tap, draw a card, then discard. If a creature card is discarded this way, untap it and then transform it into a five one and at the beginning of your end step, if it didn't attack, tap him down and then turn him back into the O one. Like flavor wise, oh man, home run. Yeah, like flavor wise is also home run. He turns from blue to red. The problem is is that like he's a three mana looter. I mean, you know, there's other three mana looters that have are two ones. There's two mana looters that are one ones. So well, saving the thing. But like how how good is a five one? Like and if you don't attack with it, so AKA if they have any single creature that has power, you're not attacking with it, it's just going to turn back to the other guy. Looking at his art, I'm really surprised he doesn't have Trample. Yeah, I feel like if it had Trample, I'd be, would be more willing to look at it, but... Yeah, even still. It but, just seems like it's the raw, and also the whole creature thing, it just seems like... I'm wondering if Blue is going to get enough cards to make, like, aggressive Blue decks a thing. But even still, I don't know if, for example, something like... Civilized scholar is really gonna, you know, where I'm gonna put that kind of card in, in my cube and like that. No. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna want to play evasive guys. I'm gonna want to play Sea Drake, and I'm gonna want to play you know three one flyers for three, and you know cards like that. This guy, not so much. However, the next card, Delver of Secrets or Insectile Aberration, um, which is uh, a one one for just a blue. At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may reveal it, and if it's an instant or sorcery, you can transform it into a 3-2 flyer. I kind of like this card in the blue aggro decks. I I don't know. It just seems like in those decks, I don't know how many instants or sorceries they're going to be running, you know? I mean, you're playing a blue deck. I'm hoping you're you're running counter spells and, and draw spells and combat tricks and things like that. I mean, that's one of blue's strengths, especially if you're playing, let's say you are... Um, a blue-red aggressive deck, which I imagine would exist in a blue sub- and a blue aggro-supported cube. I feel like the blue-red deck, you know, blue-red my cube usually winds up being a counter-burn deck. Yeah. But if you just get to be like a flying plus removal deck, I think like you would have. I would think you would have quite a few instants or sorceries. If it were just one or the other, maybe I would be hesitant about it. But the fact that it's basically reveal a spell. But, I mean, would you want to play this in a deck with, like, say, counterburn deck with, I'll say, fourteen spells to kind of make it a third? Like, well, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play it in a deck with, I'm not gonna play it in a counterburn deck. I'm gonna play it in a, a blue aggressive deck that features things like counter spells and burn spells. I just don't think that. I don't know if that's, I don't know. Even still, like, how many burn spells do you have in, say, a red aggressive deck? I mean, six to eight. Okay. And even that, I don't know if those odds are really good for that. Like, say, six, let's say eight out of 40, or whatever, or, you know, 
I don't feel like doing complex math right now, but let's, let's just super simplify 8 out of 40, one-fifth odds. Right, but then you're also going to have, ideally, if you're playing a blue deck, you're going to have some counter spells or uh, trick-type spells. So, I mean, your spell count, if you're, let's say you are, uh, and if you're a flying deck, I don't feel like you need a ton of creatures. Unlike, I think, uh, regular aggressive decks, I think the tempo aggressive decks don't need as many creatures because you want to get more value. You're getting more value out of your creatures. Let's say, you know, you're playing things like Aether Adept. You're playing things like Sea Drake. Things, you know, Sea Drake hits harder than a 2 1 for 1. And or like a Viridian Shaman kind of things. So you're, you're going to be generating more value out of your creatures. So I don't know if you need, and I might be wrong, but I don't know if you need as many creatures in those type of decks, which allow you to have more spells. Also, you're in a great color for library manipulation. I mean, a yeah. brainstorm, even if it's already in your hand, is going to provide you an easier way to flip it. A Sensei's Divining Cop, for example, is going to provide you a very good way to flip this card. Jace. Um, a Jace, a, you know, which is obviously a, a great tempo card in and of itself. Um, a Sylvan Library, something where you're, you're getting to manipulate your draws. And I, I think increase the value of this. That said, I'm not including it in my cube because I don't have a blue aggressive strategy. But I think if you do... I think it's something, I feel as though it should be something you should look at, because three, once again, three power flyer, kind of hard to ignore. Yeah. Especially just, if the investment for the creature is so low. I mean, it's only one mana. Yeah, I just don't have the room for it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, were I running Sea Drake and a lot of the other blue aggressive type guys, things like Waterfront Bouncer, you know what I mean, like a lot of this stuff, they're supports that archetype, then I would definitely consider it. But since that's not the case, I'm going to pass. Yeah. That works. All right, how about uh, Forbidden Alchemy? Yeah, I don't know. It's getting, it's a two, two in blue instant. Look at the top four. Put one to your hand and the rest in your grave. Flashback, six and a black. That's so much. Yeah, good God. I, I don't know. Like, I guess it's kind of like impulse meets thirst for knowledge or something. I think I heard that on another... It might have been in contention when they made that comparison. I mean, I think it's a fair comparison. Yeah. Like, it's an interesting thing. It helps the reanimator decks. Like, I mean, reanimator decks tend to be, like, blue... You know, blue-black or, like, green-black. And this tends to, you know, help the blue-black, you know, reanimator kind of decks. Sure. My, know, only, my only concern is that it, I don't think it helps them nearly as much as, say, thirst for knowledge or compulsive research... Because you don't get to choose what to discard. You just have to hope that the three cards being flipped over, you know, the four cards you're looking at contain a target. Yeah, like one of them's a Primus or something, or a Titan. I mean, no, and, well, I guess that shouldn't be a problem, necessarily. I don't know. At least, uh, with, like, at least with, like, the compulsive research, like the frantic search, whatever, say you have, like, a Primus in your hand, then you go draw, draw, discard, you know, discards a huge guy that's in your hand. Right. Or like a Battle Sphere or something like or your Thundering Titan. And those you don't, this you don't get the option. I don't know, it just seems like, I don't know, it just seems too expensive for what it's it does. It's also, I feel like it's just on the outside of being good enough. Yeah. And I'm um, like, I'm going to use this in my blue-black section if I already use it, and I'm like, would I cut, for me it would come down to, for building Alchemy and Una, Queen of the Fae, I'm like, I'm playing Una. Yeah, I mean, every day. Yeah. 
play Una every day. If this were if this were two mana, I would definitely be on board. Yeah, for sure. What if it was double blue, would you? Sure. Yeah, same here. Yeah, what? Three mana. Forget that. Yeah, three mana's a bit much. And uh, seven, the flash is back. Ugh. So expensive. Jeez. Yeah. Not, not a fan. Like, Chainers, Chainers, I'm fine paying that much mana because you get a decent value up front. Like, if you're just using it as a crew leader, that's fine. And then it's like, oh, okay. And, you know, just get a little value in the late game. Sure. I, don't, I don't think you're getting enough value on the upside. But, man. Speaking of uh, two mana and cards that I don't like very much, uh, Invisible Stalker, not, not liking it. One in the blue, Human Rogue, Hexproof, Unblockable, 1-1. One, one. The 1-1 one, one is why I don't like it. Right. The 1-1, one, one, I mean, he's obviously you need ways to make him bigger in order to get value out of him. Um, I feel like this card has a lot of potential, for example, right now in Standard. Because there is, you can run just like a huge amount of uh, equipment, you know, something like a pure steel paladin deck, for example, uh, or some of the uh, what used to be cobblade decks, with the ability to just crack them at will with a sword. That's going to get some triggers for you. I feel like there's a lot of value in that, but because there are so, I mean, yeah, it's nice to be able to crack people for four with a crafted war gear you know, four unblockable every turn. But one, it's in blue, which makes it a little more awkward for cube, once again, if you're if you're like me and don't support really a blue strategy. And two, if you don't draft any of the equipments, this guy's a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, he's right in the pine. <laughs> he's doing nothing. But, I mean, I, while I like this guy for constructed a bit, I think there's a lot of potential, especially with the swords in the format and being a, a small uh, format right now with the current rotation. I feel like uh, for cube, I'm going to pass. Yeah, it seems like this is the kind of card where you can get caught up in like the BCSM and be like, oh man, if I get a sword on this, if I get Warhammer, it's going to be nuts. But, you know, what are the odds? Like, what are the odds that, you know, that perfect storm of having this, the invisible stalker and the equipment in play at the same time and stalker being pretty bad on the zone? Just no, not sure. bad. Uh, Ludovic Test Subject slash Ludovic Abomination. Is it Ludovic or is it Ludovic? Like, uh. Ludovic is like, you know, like Slovenian kind of. Right. I, I, I always look at it as Ludovic. It's probably Ludovic. Yeah. Because they, you know, like, in that they usually have the CH kind of pronunciation. Right. It's the Eastern yeah. European. Yeah. Slavic type, uh. pronunciation. Like Bosnia, stuff like that. Uh. One in a blue defender for an 03. But you can pay one in a blue, put a hatchling counter on Ludovic's test subject. Then if there are five or more hatchling counters on it, remove them all and transform it, and then it becomes a 13-13 trample. Which is enormous. Yeah. It's, it's art is so, like, bad at that part because it just looks like a 3-3 three, three or something, or 4-4. Four, four. Not 13-13 is, like, bigger than a Phyrexian Dreadnought. And this just looks like some lizard in a basement. <laughs> like, no, come on. Like, that's the thing I like about Freaking Dreadnought. That thing looks huge. And this thing's just like, oh, I'm a lizard. Yep. But, like, I at first dismissed the card. I was like, God, this is, you know, it's so bad. And you pay all this mana. And you have to pay 10 mana. And then it's a 13-13. But it's kind of like when people looked at the levelers, like Hargan Dragonlord. Everybody was like, man, this is so bad. It's, it's a grizzly bear. 
and then you have to pay six red mana to make it a 4-4, and then it just dies to Bolt or Terror, and then it sucks. This is so bad. And I think people who are dismissing this card just, like, right out or kind of looking at it the same way, and it's, hey, I think it's pretty disingenuous when you look at, like, the whole overall investment is, like, one big chunk. Like, if you look at Dragonlord, it's a six-mana 4-4. Of course, it looks terrible. Like, that's just awful. But, you know, you just pay it whenever. And especially since you can do this at instant speed, you can just go, sit on counter mana. Okay, you're not doing anything? Okay, level, level. Okay, you're still not level, level, and then just go, okay, 13, 13, okay, yep, got the removal spell now, or you're dead. Right. And that's the thing, is that, you know, obviously with blue, you want to be able to leave your mana up, so you can, you know, counter things in your main phase or whatever. And you know what, the zero three isn't an irrelevant size. I mean, it blocks X1s. You know, it blocks, sorry, two, two Xs, which, you know, aggressive decks are going to have two Xs. Granted, they're probably going to have things to remove it as well. But you know what? That's burned not pointing at your face. Yeah. Also, if you're drawing it late, you can put it down and literally transform it in two turns. Yeah. You know, like cast that. it, they do something, give it a few counters, untap, give it a couple counters, bash for 13, which is not irrelevant. Yeah. And it's like, I've seen it happen, like, where, you know, multiple times you play on turn six, and then you have, you know, four mana, it's like, okay... You got nothing, or you tap out, or, you know, doing nothing. It's like, okay, level it twice, turn seven, level it three times, attack you with 13-13. Do you have something? Right. And they probably don't, especially if they tap out. Right, especially if you're playing blue and you're holding your mana up anyway. Hopefully you have something to say about it, so. And even if you don't feel like going all in on it, nobody's forcing you to. You can, you can sit on it and wait. I mean, it's not that hard to do that with this guy. So, I don't it was like, when I was making my cube update, the, you know, the test subject was the last card I cut, and it was painful. I'm like, God, this card is good, but I just don't have room for it. Yeah, I'll be giving it a, I'll be giving it a, uh, a once-over and see, uh, see what it's about, but... Are you going to get the release promo? Is there a release promo? Yeah, that's the <laughs> release promo. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I am. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Next card, another word of blue card. Wait, what is it, this? Mind Shrieker, one in a blue, flying for a 1-1 flyer. Flyer. Uh, one in a blue, target player mills the top card of his or her library. Mind Shrieker gets plus X, plus X till EOT, or X is that card's converted mana cost. I don't know, it just... This is another card Cranny was, like, saying was good. I I don't know, I think it's interesting. Like, for example, like, say, say you attack with it, and they have a flyer, like, their opponent's a Vendillion click, do you really want to block it? Like, how do you attack or block into this guy? And that's what I think may be, you know, may show that it's better than it looks, because it doesn't look very good. But I don't know. As potential? Yeah, and I think this is a card that's just going to need some testing and just to see how often it's relevant. Because a couple things I want to see. One, once again, I think having, you know, blue attacking type deck is relevant. Because let's face it, it's, it's going to, if there's a creature that dies to everything, it's this one. Um, you know, one toughness, even when you pump it, right? It only pumps the front end. No, it's both. Oh, it is both ends. Oh, man. Oh, no, that's, okay, that's significantly better then. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, you might hit a couple of blanks, but, you know, also, too, for what it's worth, this card can also provide a secondary win condition. Yeah. As like, well. There are 
seeing people running the uh, what's it, Ambassador Laquatus in their cubes. I'm not really big on that, but you know, I, I don't think that guy's very good because his body is so meh, and he doesn't really have that much of. All he's doing is milling, and that's it. Whereas this is at least kind of attacking. And it's the same thing. How do you attack into this guy? Like, say you have a, you know, like a Savannah Lines or something, or like even a 3-1. Like, how do you attack into it if they have mana up? You know what I mean? Well, you just bash into them and don't care. Yeah, that's probably true. Or you, or you have an instant speed removal spell, and when they pump, when they activate it, you get them. Yeah. And force them to activate it again. And... And if they don't hit, then you got them. Yeah. But I mean, but I think it's it, it seems it seems reasonable enough to give it a closer look. I, I think I don't know if I will be adding this card necessarily, but I will be anxiously looking forward to talking to people who have. Yeah. I, it's another card. Like I'm kind of, I'm trying to support the blue kind of attack decks, but I just again don't have room for that guy, which makes me sad. <laughs> yeah. Mirmad Phantasm, uh, you know, three double blue flyer, five one. Such a weird power toughness and guy. Uh, spend one in a blue. Mirmad Phantasm's owner shuffles it in his or her library. If that player does, he or she reveals the top cards, blah, 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 blah. God, so many words. Build the top card until it's revealed, then puts it into the battlefield and put the rest in the grave. So, yeah, no. I, awkward... The Rainbow Free, no. Yeah, not not feeling like I need this is a card I need to cast. I mean, even the five power for five flying, obviously, is some sort of I don't know decent. I feel like you might just accidentally, you know, activating it, just you might kill yourself. Yeah, that would be the worst. It's like, or get to, or get down to a point where then you the game cannot last that much longer. It's like so. uh, three cards left. Oops. Well, let's let's talk about uh, the auto include. Yeah. Which is Snapcaster Mage, aka Snapkeep Mage. Yeah, that card is just sick. One uh, blue. Yeah, if you guys don't know what this card does, you've been living under a rock. Yeah. <laughs> but you might as well tell them. Okay, one of blue instant. I mean, one of blue creature, human wizard, flash. One of ETVs. Target insert a sorcery card in your graveyard, gain flashback, till EOT, where the flashback is equal to its mana cost. Like, I just kind of type, wow, in the text box. <laughs> that guy's just so, so good. Yeah, and it's a 2-1, too, so it's actually not an irrelevant body size, either. Yeah. It's, uh, first time I saw somebody play it, turn four, dude played Ancestral Recall, flashback with Snapcaster Mage, or, you know, cast Snapcaster Mage, get flashback, cast Ancestral Recall, you know, on the end of his opponent's turn, of, like, he had four mana. His turn, Brainstorm, Jace Brainstorm, and he lost, because he couldn't find an answer to Troll Static. Ha. Yeah. <laughs> but still, like, that is just a ridiculous scenario, just like drawing a million cards. I mean, it's even, I mean, this card is even good enough as cast it, flashback, and remand. Yeah. Cast it, like, flashback, uh, you know, any, any spell, jeez. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, got a... Cat Oh, dear. I don't know if you heard that or not. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> one, one of them got a little too close to the other one. She got a little mad, so. Oh, jeez. Most of the time, like, even if it's just, like, uh, getting back a Doomblade or something, it's like, yeah. it's just speed Necrotal, hello. Yeah, I mean, 
let alone if you start casting other things like Cryptic Command again. Whoa. Or, or God, there, there's, I'm sure we can come up with a bunch of scenarios. Yeah, this card's awesome. Yeah. Get it if you can. Hopefully you open it in a pack because the uh, card's not going to be cheap. Yeah, two foils have been opened, by the way, uh, by me or by people I know, and everyone is just... One of them, unfortunately, uh, traded it to a cube owner, so for a pretty good deal, so I didn't get a chance at that one. The other one is just immediately being sold because they're like, wait a second, this card's pre-selling on Star City for $100. I bet I can get 80 for it on eBay. Wow. So, yeah, imagine what foil Japanese or foil Korean ones are going to go for. Wow, that's just, ugh. Yep, next. (laughs) Uh, Sturmgeist, uh, the weird magpie, three double blue. Is that the Maro magpie? Yeah, essentially Morrow Magpie. It's five mana, right? Five mana. Yeah. Yeah. Enough said. (laughs) All right, let's go to black. Uh, Army of the Dead. Or Army of the Damned. Thirteen two-two zombies. Yeah, for eight mana. They come and play tapped, which is really unfortunate. Like, it's a card that I would really want to stabilize with, and if you do untap with them, you're, you're just winning, probably. Yeah. And the flashback, yeah, so. like the flashback is seven triple black. Like that's, I guess if he didn't win. Mostly a right. If the first thirteen two twos weren't good enough. Yeah. Then here's here's some more. And that was like grave worm use. Dear God, have some. Here's some cake. <laughs> have I some mean, wedding cake. Probably just die to it. You're like, untap, take fourteen. <laughs> I feel like this would be an awesome card to cast when your opponent has Grave Board Muse in play and you mind slaver them. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Take 14, brah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely cute. You definitely should be winning if you untap with it. But, like, people are starting to not like, uh, what's his name? Uh, the card I talked about earlier. Why, can't, why am I so bad with card names? I can mention them once and then, like, the second time I mention them, I can't do it. Rude Awakening? Uh, yeah, Rude Awakening. Like, people don't like Rude Awakening, and that card kills people right away. Yeah, this one, there's a little delay. This one you have to wait a turn and hope they don't just have, like, rando sweeper. Yeah. Love the flavor, but, oh, man. Right. I, I really, if, if they didn't come into play tap, I'd really like it. But, since they do. Right, because you can be like, okay, well, I can do this and clog up the ground and survive for a turn and then be able to untap and... and and go to and go to town. Then the second casting of it, the flashback of it, would probably be significantly better because the first wave of zombies can like eat a bunch of their guys to help you live long enough to get to the second wave, and then the second wave would kill them. Yeah. Oh man, that's like super flavor. Right. Oh, Pretty man. cool. Pretty God. cool. The flavor in this set is just awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Sick. Slugus demon. Oh man, think it's sick. Three double black. Yeah, three double black, five four flyer. We know our peep target player draws a card and loses a life. It was initially spoiled as a four four when that whole like dual of Planeswalker twelfth edition or whatever the D twelve they had the source code leaked and it was a four four. And I was like, I was like meh. Eh. And then when it was released as a five four, I was like, what? Sick. Put in that. Put in my cube now. Yeah, this this card seems pretty awesome. Let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 5-4 five, Flyer for 5, pretty awesome. But with an arena strapped to its back, 
with the option of getting your opponent? Yeah, it provides a little bit of inevitability. Like, if you get him to two or, like, one, it's like, okay. Right, like, you may be able to block this guy, but we're going to get you. Yeah. I don't know, and if you really need to kill somebody fast, I mean, obviously you don't want to give people cards all the time, but... It's an option, at least. Like, or if you're dying, and it's like, well, I don't want to give my opponent a card anyway, but I can't I can't take this life loss or I'm just dead. Right, it's also it's also a little bit of uh, a little bit of style points, just like getting somebody with uh, sign and blood. Ah, yes. <laughs> I think there's some style points involved if you guys care about that kind of thing. I do sometimes, so. Yeah, it's pretty. I like it. Uh, next card: Bloodline Keeper slash Lord of Lineage. Two double black vampire, three through flyer. Okay. You put a two-two flying vampire onto the battlefield, or black transform it. You can only transform it if you have five or more vampires, and if you do, it's essentially a 5-5 five, five flyer. Other vampire creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and it can still tap to make two-two flyers. And I don't know, like, black black Forecrafts are really pretty much either huge dumb guys, like Juzom Jin, Plague Sliver, Bissell Persecutor, or, like, 187 guys, like, Necrotal Skin Render, or, like, kind of these kind of utility guys, like, Graves or Graveworm Muse, and I guess this guy kind of goes into last category. But it just seems another card I really want to like. It's just I want this guy to be like Bitter Blossom meets Master of the Wild Hunt, but I don't know. I just don't know if he's good enough. Yeah, as a as a three three for four you can compare him a three three flyer for four even. You can compare him to something like uh Master of the Wild Hunt. The thing is is Master of the Wild Hunt, the first time you untap with him is able to do something. He's making two twos, and he's able to attack or use his ability, where this creature, you either can attack or use its ability, and the only way to transform it, pretty much, is to use its ability a couple times. So I feel like it's significantly, it's a, a definitely a tick or two slower, and unfortunately it has that, you know, three toughness or less problem. You know, that's that's like the magic number pretty much for, for toughness is having four toughness. Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely a chance it dies, and, I mean, there's a chance everything dies. But flying is nice, but I just, uh, I, I want to like it, but I feel like it's just a tick too slow. And as far as the transforming thing goes, if you have five five or more vampires in play in the cube, I mean, if I think of the five worst vampires you can have, one, if you have, if this thing stayed in play for four turns to make four more vampires, you're probably and they're Charlie also alive, you're, you're probably winning anyway. Yeah, you're probably Charlie Sheen. Or, or if you're, you know, if you're, you know, this guy, Bloodgast, Lacerator, Nighthawk, um, Hexmage, Hex Mage or Drana, or, I mean, if you have all these guys in play already, eh, I, I don't know. Seems yeah, like you should, be, seems like you should be winning a lot of those games anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, however, auto-include, Diagraph Ghoul, 2-2, two, two, one black mana, 2-2, two, two, enters the battlefield tap, and it's a zombie. Yep, that's easy. Yeah, I mean, if you support black aggressive strategies, this card needs to be in your cube. Yeah. Simple as that. Um, if you don't support black aggressive strategies, I could see leaving it out. But if you want black to have an aggressive side to it, these are the kinds of cards, you know, we've talked until we're blue in the face, about, you know, you need two power one drops. And who cares that it comes in the play tap? Gotta be honest. Yeah. Don't care. Yeah, what are you, blocking? It's like that like Goblin Cadets joke about blocking. Like, come on, what's blocking? 
Right, but I mean, the problem is, is cadets doesn't like to be blocked either. Oh, I know. I just mean that the whole blocking thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. blocking is for chumps, etc. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, this guy, and also you guys have no excuse not to have a sweet one, too, because you're giving away full art ones as part of game day. Yeah, the art is kind of interesting. Like, she's like, I don't know, zombie cleavage is kind of awkward, but... Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and admit that I didn't look at it that closely. It's just kind of weird. It's just like, I don't know, it's kind of weird. It's like cost career. It's just like, what? It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make sense. And uh, speaking of cleavage... I was going to say, speaking uh, of gratuitous cleavage. There's a Liliana chest. I mean, Liliana <laughs> the bell. Wow. Wow. That was good. Yeah, Liliana chest. That's what we, as soon as we saw the artwork, we're like, oh, Liliana chest. That should be her name. <laughs> one black black planeswalker starts out with three loyalty, plus one. Each player discards. Um, minus two, target player sacrifices a creature. Minus six. Separate all permanents, target player controls in the two piles. That player sacrifices all permanents in the pile of his or her choice. Uh, yeah, three mana planeswalker, nice. Especially in black, where we've just had a five and a six so far. Yeah, I, I don't know, I'm not really a big fan of Liliana Vest. Like, I felt like her best role is just the control mirrors, kind of because the was a discard. And this just seems like it's so much better at that. It's so much better anyway. But it seems really good at that because they, most of the time, they're just casting singular dudes unless it's a great titan. It's like, okay, you want to cast your titan? Yep. Sag it. And, like, each player after the discard is a little bit awkward, but I don't know. I think I would, I like, I think this is maybe a more aggressive card, whereas, you know, the other planeswalkers are kind of universal, universally playable. But, I mean, I don't really care. Like, discard, okay. A couple other things it does, too. One, it, this is a uh, a nice reanimator uh, enabler. Ah, uh, yes. That's true. Speaking of that, two, um, I think it also plays very well with a lot of black um, arena-type creatures. So not only Frexian Arena, but, you know, the, uh, the zombie, the blood gift demon. You know, there are quite a few cards that can generate more cards for you to minimize her drawback. Yeah. But, you know, her drawback of grinding your opponent for a card a turn. And then eventually, you know, getting to play, you know, Rise Fall, not Rise Fall. What was the, I'm trying to think of the Factor Fiction card, Stand or Fall? That you got to separate their creatures into, like, two piles, and they had to oh. a pile, and was it the red one? I don't remember. I, been too I long. think it was the red one. I think it might have been Do or Die. Or Do no, or Die? Yeah, it was a black one where, like, it was one in a black sorcery, and you, you split their creatures and they decide. And it was always awkward when they just had one creature. But it was like, okay, guess I'll, I guess I'll keep my pile with one dude. Where wasn't there? Yeah, separate all creatures. Yep, that's what it is. It was do or die. Yep, do or die. Nice call. Nice. Good call. Good. Yay! Yay! Uh, trivia. But yeah, Liliana the Veil, really good. Yeah. Really good. Once best, again, Liliana chest. Yeah. Card yeah. you want. Best Black Planeswalker by far. Can't say I disagree with you too much on that one. Even though I do like some of the, you know, I do like the other ones to some degree. I'm uh, looking forward to playing this one for sure. Yeah. All right. What one, uh, do you want to talk about Vampire Interloper? Yeah, Vampire Interloper. So one in a black. Uh, vampire with flying. It's a 2-1. And it can't block. Yeah. If, you know, know, once again, I, 
I don't know. I, I don't like the Pegasi, so this card, not a big fan of either. But if you're pushing your black aggressive strategies, I, I think this is a card you have to look at, you know, along with, you know, fledgling gin and, and things of that nature. I'm just not a, I'm just not a super huge fan of these 2-1 flyers for two. I don't know. It's just, I'm just wondering if this is more of a necessary evil than it is for white to run the Pegasi. Like, I think right now white doesn't need to run the Pegasi in cubes, but I'm wondering if there's, you know, there's more of an incentive to run the interloper. Like, it's drawback. Okay, whatever. I don't care. Drawback. Yeah, who cares if can't block, block Mr. Jones? Yeah. But I don't know. I, I think it may be a little bit of a more necessary evil to run interloper, but I still won't. I, I'm not running it. You know, I just don't see the need for it. I still think there are enough good one-and-a-black creatures, you know, like the Nizumi Brothers, uh, Dark Confidant, Blind Creeper. Well, you have all the, you have the Shadow Guys. Yeah, the Dowsy Horror... Stuff like that, you know. So I don't. I just don't think this is necessary. You know what I mean? Right. Fledgling Jin, which is the two-two flyer for the same cost. Yeah, and it, it hits you for that, one. That things you for one. Yeah. I don't know. I, I uh, I'm not very excited about it. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah, black got some pretty good stuff. Yeah, I think so. Alrighty, want to move on to red? Absolutely. Let's get this show on the road here. Yeah, we're going to be like limited resources out of a four-and-a-half-hour episode at this point. Yeah, we keep talking. I'm just like, oh, man, clock is ticking. Let's uh, let's keep rolling along here. Uh, why don't we just talk about some of the inc- possible includes instead of stuff that it's just like, yeah, it's too expensive. Let's just keep going on. Yeah, like Balefire yeah, Dragon, Bad Limited Dragon, Blasphemous Axe, you know, EDH card is EDH card. Yeah, that covers those. Brimstone Volley, though, I, I like it. Instant for 200 red. Uh, deals 3 damage to target creature or player. Morbid deals 5 instead if the creature died this turn. Yeah, I mean, 5 damage for 3 mana is a lot. Yeah. And a I think lot. You see the, uh, another guest on the show, Kenny Mayer. I think, I forget where I was talking to him about it. I think he said something, I think I might have texted him about it. He said, kind of like, in theory, it's kind of like Searing Blaze, where he has to jump through some hoops to, you know, get the extra payoff. But it's probably worth it. For a steering blade, yeah, you have to landfall and whatever, and they have to have dudes, but that's fine. And you probably have to maybe doom blade a guy or suicide a guy, but it's five five damage. So. Right. I mean, you're attacking them, which is what you should be doing with red decks anyway. If they have a guy to block and they trade with your guy, you get to just punish them significantly. Um, unlike steering blades, where you it kind of does two things at the same time, clears the way and reduces her life total, um, which I actually kind of like better than Brimstone Ball, which I do like better than Brimstone Ball, but five damage for three mana in one card is a lot, especially for Red Deck. And creatures, let's face it, dudes are going to die. Yeah, creatures die to removal, as it turns out. <laughs> I mean, you have small red dudes. I mean, heck, even something like, you know, Getting one of your, you know, let's say in the late game, you draw your ball lightning. You have six mana. You're like, no. Nope. Your health mark or something. Here, here, right. Here comes, here comes this guy. All right. Take, what, take four? You're going to block him with a two-two or whatever? Say, sure. Here's another five. Eat it. Yeah. It's- or end the turn trigger. Oh, he dies. Oh, by the way, have five more. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I think is interesting also with the five damage is, Five damage is pretty uncommon for red, 
like most the healing seems to be at four with stuff like char, flame javelin, stuff like that. And healing five to kill stuff like Baneslayer tends to be hard for red decks to deal with at times because you either have to two for one yourself or you have to have essentially Chandra Nalar. Uh huh. And this is kind of like, okay, uh stack a Mog Fanatic or not pay Echo on my Kilden Vandals, Grimstone, you're a Baneslayer, go to town. So I think that's another interesting thing as well, the whole five damage. It, it, it's a nice, uh, unique effect, and, you know, I think crosses an important threshold for Red Bird. Okay. Yeah, I mean, five is definitely a lot, and you're, you know, granted, a lot of the situations you were talking about are still two-for-wanting yourself, yeah. you know, or maybe, you know, but it gets you, it may get you around not having to have them gain five life, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, I guess you could do that, too. You know, instead of having two bird spells, you can just suicide a guy into it to get it off the board. Yeah, that, that too. So, well, man, five is a lot. Yeah, Especially I, for Santa. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to look at this card. Okay. Uh, Charmbreaker Devils. I wish it had ATV trigger. I don't like it as is. I mean, yeah. I mean, four, a, a six mana, four, four? Yeah. I mean, are there a bunch of dragons we can just cast instead? Yeah, give me a Hellkite Charger or something. Or... I mean, take a Roar's Blade Wing. Yeah, seriously. That guy cracks for six right away. Yeah. This? No, not so much. I mean, get some plus or plus, so okay, whatever, I don't care. Curse of Stalked Prey, uh, you know, potentially gives all your guys the plus one, plus one vampire thing. Uh, sure, it makes know. them all, uh, what's his name? Uh, Slip. Oh, this? Yeah. I don't know, just no immediate effect makes me sad panda. Now, even if it costs one in red, which is cheap, I just, I'm not feeling it. Yeah, I mean, you will get an effect that, you know, if you, it's basically, the problem is, is that it's an, it's an anthem after you attack instead of before you attack. Yeah, and anthems are just so nice when you just go, you know, they have an assumption that their guys are gonna, uh, you know, go toe to toe with your guys or maybe out muscle yours and just go, oh, uh, Johnny Goldmane, plus one, plus one, attack. And they're just, oh, oh. Right. Uh, now. Yeah, don't, I do not hit the curse. Besser Ravings, uh, this weird think twice for, you know, the is it colors. No, not really. Yeah. Devil Play, however, oh, oh man. Love it. Loving that card. X for red, sorcery, uh, blaze on the upside, flashback for X triple red. Like, I, I think it might be then the best non-quake, or, you know, the best, uh, upside, you know, blaze with upside. Like, I don't know. Flashback is good. Yeah, flashback is obviously very good. Um, I've seen uh, Banefire kill so many people. I, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be better than Banefire because of the uncounterability. Yeah, but, but I mean, I would definitely play this over Fireball. Yeah, I mean, same. Or, or like Red Sun Zenith. Same. Oh yeah, for for sure. If you have Red Sun Zenith, it should probably be replaced with this one. It seems like a very natural progression. Because it's like, oh, well, I might draw my Red Sun Zenith again to cast it. Well, guess what? You will be able to recast this one if you cast it the first time. Yeah. Ideally, if you're in a red deck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it can be a little bit awkward at times, but you'll reach it eventually. You've got time. Right. You, you just can't difficulty. tell the story about that time you uh, Red Sun Zenith, untapped, and Red Sun Zenith him again. Yeah. <laughs> but, by the way, I did that at the pre-release in my first ah. time. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Was this like six, shuffle, oh, seven. 
That's just gross. Yeah. yeah. But this is a good replacement for show. Yeah. Funkin' Rest, Marauders, I don't know. If Mike Flores is gushing about it, I don't know if I feel the same. Three double red, uh, flying haste, vampire guy. Uh, when he deals combat damage to a player, put two plus one plus one counters on it. I don't know, like, Flores was comparing it to a demigod, but I don't know. The 2-2 body is just so small. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, ideally, though, it's going to be, you're going to be able to crack with it once, and then it becomes a 4-4. I think his his comparison um, is that it actually kills in the same amount of time. Yeah. As a demigod, while being significantly easier to cast, um, which allows you to play it in other color combinations instead of just black and or red. Because let's face it, you're not playing that card in a red-white, a red-green, a white-black. You know, you're not casting it in those color combinations. In this one, you can at least cast it in any of the red color combinations. I I don't, I just don't know. Like, obviously, 2-2 is very small. However, um, if you are the red player, hopefully there won't be that many instant speed burn spells out there to get you. Um you do lose the ability not to have it cacked by uh, Terror Snuff Out, but I don't know. I think this is a card, especially think, I think it comes as a foil on one of the pre-constructeds. Um, yeah. I think this is definitely a card I would like to test some, but I, I want to know how relevant it's starting out as a 2 how irrelevant, or how relevant it is starting out as a 2-2. Yeah, and if that really matters... Right, because the other thing, too, is if your opponent has flyers, obviously being able to crack in with a 5-4 will easily get through their, you know... Uh, V-clicks or whatever. Their V-clicks or their uh, the 2-2 persist one. Yeah, the Archmage. Yeah, Gwenelandra, Archmage or whatever. It'll definitely help you get through those, for sure, um, better than this will. But I just, I don't know. I mean, obviously, if left unchecked, it's it's pretty awkward pretty fast. Yeah, can can get sick. Uh, and I guess the other ones are kind of the kind of like the werewolves. I guess we'll just all put them in one pile. The Hanware Watchkeep, Instigator Gang, Kriun Outlaw. I I don't know. I think Instigator Gang is probably the best out of them because its front side doesn't suck. Like the others, are like a two red for a one five defender, a three red. For a 2-3 that gives, you know, uh, Orcus or Flame attackers get plus one plus so. Uh, Korean Outlaw, three mana for a 2-2 for a strike. They're up there. Front sides are not that good. But I don't know. I, like, I've been trying to test them in my cube. I just haven't had, like, a ton of time. Like, it's a ton of drafts. I've had people say the Instigator Gang is just nuts when they played it in their cube decks. Like, somebody had, like, a red-green deck. I'm like, did that thing flip? He's like, yeah, all the time. I had it, you know, drew it twice, flipped. As a beat face, my God. Yeah, I mean, that guy is an 8-5 trample on the other side that makes all your other guys enormous on the attack. I mean, his his transformed version might be the best transformed version of any of the werewolf creatures. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I can I think I can say that. I'm trying to, like, go through my mind trying to think of the other werewolf creatures. I mean, the only other card I think that whose transforms might be close are Garrick or Ludovic's test subject. Yeah, and even that I wouldn't really compare those because the whole werewolf thing is so weird. Like that, right, like, the, the way you have to manipulate the game in order to, to get them to flip. Yeah, 
Like, I think the werewolves are going to be best in decks with a lot, which have, like, mana stings, you know, things to do on their turn. Like, say, equipment. Like, say you spend your turn five equipping a sword onto a dude and then putting on something else. Or if you have mana disruption, you know, you get in the turn after, you know, there's getting involved or tangle wire. Yeah, turn, you, know, you tangle wire turn five after you play this and they can't do anything. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know, it just seems like those are the decks. Or maybe even Counterburn. But, yeah. It's, I don't know. I haven't really, like I said, I wish I had more time to test them, but Instigator Gang is the best out of them. Like, even like the Reckless Waif, I'm not really a big fan of either. Oh, see, I, I can't, oh, I really want to, I, I really want to test that card and see. I want to see how often it matters. I want to kind of do what you do and set up turn one it in my hand against various decks and see how much it flips. Um, since we're on the subject of it, um, I think also there is significantly more value in playing it in an unpowered cube. I don't know. To be honest, I never really saw them flip back. Like, even when they were played, like, they usually just stayed flipped. Like, oh, no, no. I'm talking about being able to just flip it on turn one and not have your opponent have a, a zero or one. Because obviously this card, the place where this card is going to be best is in the aggro versus control matchup. And having access to a, a significant amount more uh, zero and one drop spells, I think, could significantly impact how good it is. I'm not necessarily too worried about it flipping back, because if I get to crack in twice with it before it flips back, I'm okay with that. Yeah, you deal six, you've dealt 16. Right, I mean, I've dealt, I've dealt six to them. In on you know by turn three with a single card, I'm okay with that. It's the being able how reliably is it going to flip on turn one? Yeah. Or turn two, I should say, after their turn one. Yeah, and it's just I don't know. I I think I'm actually trying that in my cube, like now, like the reckless wave. I just I don't know if I have a lot of hopes for it, but I'm trying it. Yeah, I the upside is is tremendous though for aggressive decks. Yeah, three two is pretty hard. Like, that hits pretty hard. Sure is. I mean, whew, pretty big. Packing for three on turn one or turn two is pretty obnoxious. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, the other cards, like, Past in Flames, you know, worst Yogg win ever. That's what I wrote. That sounds about right. Uh, yeah, it's Strom- just really expensive. Yeah. Stromkirk Noble, I'm not really a big fan of it. You know, re- one red, uh, one one, can't be blocked by humans, and then the vampire, the split ability. Like, is it better than Swift Firewalker? It's, it's obviously worse top deck. Sure. I mean, maybe it is because, I mean, and, and I'd like to do a, a human analysis at some point because there are quite a few humans that are one-drops. Yeah, like so, Mother Runes or something. I mean, Mother Runes, uh, the the Leveler. Yeah. Grim Lavamancer, uh, Elite Vang. Is Elite Vanguard a human or just a soldier? I'm pretty sure it's a human soldier. Um, but it seems like there are lots of humans that are one drops, and this guy does trump that end of it. I mean, it doesn't trump the elves because there's obviously lots of elf one drops as well. But I mean, I could see this guy being a problem in a in a short period of time. Once again, you know, if it's a card that I can that I can test and see if it's good to keep my aggressive deck strategy going, I think it's worth testing because I never feel like you could have too many aggressive cards. Yeah. That's true. I just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like it has enough of an effect. Like, 
the evasion is really sad. And, they, and we'll go more into the whole, like, uh, you know, you know, saboteur creatures without evasion being really sad. We'll go into that more like, in, you know, with another card. Foreshadowing. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess that does it for green. I mean, for red. Uh, it has Brimstone Volley and, you know, Devil's Play, Instigator Gang, you know, maybe Reckless Waste. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, maybe Reckless Wave, maybe Strom Kirk Noble. I mean, there's yeah. quite, there's quite maybe the uh, the the five mana two two haste flying guy. Oh yeah, yeah, that guy too. So I mean, there, there's a few options here. There's a few options. All right, green. How about uh, so ambush viper, which is uh, one in a green for a two one flash with death touch. Basically, uh, instant speed combat trick to take down their guy. I mean, that's I feel like that's going to be its best use. Yeah, like, they attack with their Titan or something, they go, got you too, just kill it. And its body is solid anyway, like, even if you just EOT play it and then just attack with it, 2-1 Death Hunt ain't bad on its own. Yeah, I mean, there, there are definitely worse things to play. I don't know if I necessarily have room for a card like that, but, I mean, I liked, I almost ran the three-mana one, the green-blue one that has flying, the coaddal that had death touch from shards block wasn't it yeah the, the oh the flying death touch uh lower not lower scale Ugh, i can't remember they either yeah. one them out. Some, something quality yeah it was like one yeah three mana one one flying death touch flash, flash. right so it's the essentially combat trick right like i'm i'm trying it in my cube just to see how it is right yeah i don't know seems not bad it's a nice little trick uh, Bramble Crush, essentially new creeping mold, two double green sorcery, destroy target non-creature permanent. Obvious creeping mold upgrade is obvious. I mean, it's not strictly better, so before anyone gets excited and says it's strictly better, it is not strictly better, because it can't kill artifact creatures. Yeah, but I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, kills planeswalkers. I'm, uh, I'm definitely okay with that, like... Kills the, and kills the other stuff, so it's definitely, uh, for me, would, if I were running Creepy Mold, it would definitely be a, a an easy upgrade. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I wasn't running Creepy Mold, but I'm trying it. I think I replaced Beast Within with it. Like, I don't know, I've been less impressed with Beast Within as time went on. I might want to put Beast Within back, but, you know, I, I have high hopes for a Bramble Crush. Creeping Renaissance, three double green sorcery, choose a permanent type. Return all cards of the chosen type from your graveyard to your hand. Flashback five double green. And I don't know if it's just because of the the hard cast and then the flashback, but I'm just comparing this to Grizzly Fate and wondering how much better that is. You know, it's just a very competitive mana cost, and I'm wondering, you know, how often are you going to live the dream where you get two or three, you know, creatures or planeswalkers or artifacts or whatever? And Here, not here's the problem. Even if you return three creatures or planeswalkers back to your hand, you still have to recast them. Yeah, I was just thinking that too. It's like they cost ancient. I mean, at least with Grizzly Fate, you're getting something right away. Yeah. So even if non-threshold, you still get two bears, which is listen to you know bad. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Gonna yeah. pass. Uh, Essence of the Wild, three. Triple green, 6-6, six, six, creatures you control into the battlefield is a copy of Essence of the Wild. I I don't know. Definitely an interesting card. Yeah. Uh, 
and the fact that once you play creatures after him, they have to sweep you to stop having you make six sixes. Because killing the original doesn't matter because the ones that entered after him are copies of him, which are still going to say the same thing. That creatures you control enter as him. Yeah, it's like, oh no, this guy's a copy of it. It's kind of, this guy's kind of sad with like one eight seven creatures because essentially it turns that trigger off. Like you cast Viridian Shaman, you don't get the artifact destruction. You get a six six. I mean, you get a six six. Yeah, and that's probably you know that's fine. I just, but like in its original form, um, I don't know how many creatures I'm casting after I cast a a six drop six six that I want to make copies of a six six. Because, you know, if I'm casting seven or eight drop green creatures or even six drop green creatures, I kind of want them to be themselves. Well, even still, like, uh, it does upgrade, you know, like the elves and, like, wall blossoms and stuff like that. The six- sure, and token producers. Yeah. I just don't know if that's necessarily worth it, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the enormous fatty that does nothing. Because, I mean, it doesn't even have evasion. Like, what if you don't have any more creatures? What if you don't cast another creature after him? He's just a vanilla 6-6. Six, six. And, I don't know. Doesn't do anything when he comes into play. Doesn't do anything when he dies. Doesn't have evasion. I just think cards like this are... I, I've outgrown liking cards like this. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's another card I really want to like, but yeah, it just doesn't... Yeah. Meh. Garrick Relentless, however... and. Eh. Like in this card. Three and a green. Oh, man, so much tech. Who uh, can read it? Eric Relentless has two or less loyalty counters. Transform him. Zero. It deals three to a target creature. It deals its damage back to him. Uh, zero for a two-two wolf. And then in his bale side, plus one put a one-one black creature wolf with death touch. Minus one stack a creature. And then tutor for a creature. Minus three, creatures in control get trample and plus X plus X for X the number of creature cards in your grave. Like, I think it's the weakest Garrick. It has some really interesting, you know, parts of him. Like, he can, you know, punch, like, two twos or whatever and then flip. And then he can, you know, survival the fittest, kind of. And then he can use a token maker. I don't know. Like I said, weakest Garrick, but that's still fine. I mean, he's still pretty darn good. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not sure if he's the weakest Garrick. Uh, the hardest part is being able to uh, reliably flip him. However, I mean, how bad is just spamming tutus every turn? Yeah, that's still fine. Like, I'm okay with that. I mean, you're spamming tutus. If they ever play a tutu of their own or, or smaller, I mean, you fight it, and then you flip it, and now we've gotten, you know, for only being a negative three, I, of course it's going to, you know, go down to two or, or one. So it's going to take you a couple turns to get back to negative three. But having overrun and getting plus X plus X for creatures in your yard could be pretty big. Yeah. could be pretty game impacting uh, more so than, I mean, it takes a couple more hoops to jump through, but it could, you know, I, I mean, I know I've won and lost plenty of games to uh, Garrick 1.0's ultimate. Yeah, just going like untap two land, suspend one, overrun essentially. Right. And like, you know, you're kind of doing your game plan and all of a sudden like he's on the field and you're just like, 
oh, man, I just have to account now for an extra nine power. Like, (laughs) this guy can do that. And his abilities work very well together. Um, His first ability protects himself. He comes into play and gets to punch something out. Or he comes into play and puts up a blocker. Those are both very good. Um, The flip side, he's still putting creatures in play, which, especially, you know, having the plus one put creatures into play that work towards you getting the ultimate ability of overrun, those abilities obviously work very well together. And the minus one tutor for a creature is pretty good, too. Yeah, essentially, since you're probably going to sacrifice either just donks or wolves. The tokens that yeah. you're making? It's like, I'll sacrifice a 2-2 green guy for this Indrix Stompaller or this Roquel engine. Right, or this Thrun or, you know, whatever. Like, yeah. There's there's a lot of neat a lot of neat cards that you can get. I don't know. I like it a lot. I am uh, I am definitely curious to see, and I probably won't do it with this card, but I'm definitely going to do an experiment soon of getting a double-faced foil card and leaving it in a very humid room and seeing if it curls at all. Ah, yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> or if it's going to be like, you know, the piece of toast on the on the back of your hat. Yeah. Pop it and see if it just, like, fights, fights each other, so. Yeah, that works. But, yeah, right. solid, awesome. Both Planeswalkers in the set, I think, are are pretty darn good. Yeah. I definitely say auto-includes. So. Liliana, for sure. Garrick, yeah, pretty sure as well. Yeah, I mean, unless he, unless for whatever reason in in play he just doesn't work very well, but I don't really see that happening, so. Yeah, like, I've played with him a little bit. He's been fine. He, he's been, like, a lot of times he just spams two twos, like, yep, 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 yep. Right, and, I mean, and that can, you know, that'll dominate a game by itself also, you know? Yeah. All right. Another card that I think is really interesting, and I, you know, once again, I kind of dismissed it until I got a chance to read it more, is uh, Kezig Cagebreakers, which is uh, four and a green for a three-four. Whenever it attacks, put a two-two green wolf creature token onto the field battlefield tapped and attacking for each creature card in your graveyard. Um, obviously, there's, you know, you can draw comparisons to a card like uh, Hero of Bladehold, which we all know is an awesome card and, and a card that you should be uh, playing. And there's definitely potential for this card to be better than Hero of Bladehold. Um, granted, Hero of Bladehold's always going to get you your two two ones in play and attacking, and it's going to pump your other guys as well. But I, I, I'm finding it hard to believe the scenarios where if I get a chance to attack with this guy, I'm not making at least two wolf tokens. I mean, if I'm playing a green deck and this guy is a five drop, and I'm going into turn six, I have a really hard time imagining not having creature cards in my graveyard to make this guy a, a significant threat on his own. And, of course, he's got the magical four toughness. Yeah. I, 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 I you know, a magical Christmas land of untapping with haze breakers and survival of the fittest. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the sickest thing ever. Response to his attack trigger... Dump four guys. Right, spam, 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 spam. Ah! <laughs> I like it. Yeah, now I have. I mean, but but that's not a completely irrelevant rea- um, interaction because if you have survival ahead of this guy, or if you have fauna shaman ahead of this guy, obviously you can set yourself up to be very successful. Yeah, like or if you, yeah, you have the case breakers in your hand, and you're just like, okay, dump. Tr- uh, this for this, and your opponent's like, what are you doing? He's got drugs or something. Right, you're just like, yeah, 
elf for an elf, an elf for an elf. Like, meh, whatever. Wall, wall of blossoms for a wall of roots or something. Wall of roots for a elf. And then you're yeah. just like this guy. I mean, there are a lot of creatures, you know, I, I think there's a lot to be said for you can't let me untap with this guy or attack with this guy once. So, I, I don't know. I think it's got a lot of potential, and I didn't think that a week ago when I saw it. Yeah, the, the main thing for me is just the competition, five mana, pretty steep. Yeah, sure, I mean, you're obviously not going to include it over Injured Stomp Howler. Yeah, it's just like, I, I want to try it, I just don't know if I have the room for it. What other five drop uh, greenies are you playing? Uh, let's check. Check on the blog. Uh, I definitely know Acidic Climb, the Conleywood's uh, favorite. Let's see, though. I mean, Acidic Slime, obviously very, uh, very useful card. But, yeah. I mean, obviously this card is a significantly bigger threat than, than Acidic Slime. Yeah. I mean, you're not playing a Slime for the threat, though. You're just playing it as a, as for value. Right. It's just a, it's kind of like a catch-all utility. Yeah. Uh, Acidic Slime, Genesis, Thornling, Deranged Hermit, and Indrix Stompaller are my five. Yeah. I mean, those are all, those are all pretty good. For me, I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna sub it in for uh, I, I still have a holdover from the uh, what's his name days of Mulder Slug. I'm probably yeah. Mulder Slug out of there for this guy. Yeah, I would I can definitely get behind that. I'd have Garrick and Pollander for five mana spells. Say five's pretty tight. Yeah, you have a significant and your cube is a little bit smaller than mine, so I guess there's a little less wiggle room. Yeah. Um, but I but I feel like this guy's just got a Huge upside. Huge upside. Yeah. If you attack with him and you get, and you have three dudes, jeez. Right. I mean, I you're attacking two. by himself. You're attacking for nine. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of value for five. It, it, it's like uh, what's that guy? Precursor golem in a way, with that much value. Yeah, like, and you know, precursor is still a three three, and people, you know, people are digging him. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I think this guy's got a lot of potential, and I'm definitely curious to see how he's going to play out. Yeah, I'm going to give him a shot. I don't know what I'm going to take out, but I'll give him a shot. Well, you know, you know I mean, I, like I said, I've my cube is 540-ish a lot because I like to add things and test things and, and see how they stack up next to cards that are already in there. Uh, this one, I think, is going to be a very easy replacement for me for a five-drop guy. So. Yeah. Mayor of Averbrook slash... Wolfpack Alpha. Alright, uh, people should know what this card does because it was the uh, pre-release foil. Yeah, that was one of the first foiled cards, too. Like, what? I wrote this. Why does it must its 1-1 one, one body suck? I mean, just the fact that it's a 1-1 one, one for 2, it's just like... Uh, here's the, the problem, too, is that his his front side is just not good. Yeah. It's just not good. It's not even just the body. Like, other humans you control get plus 1, plus 1? Like, okay... There's not that many. Yeah, who cares? There's a few. Don't care. I Obviously, if you flip them, it's, you know, the object is to flip them, because the flip side is the nut. Yeah, 3-3, three, three, and then you get a 2-2. Two, two. I'm wondering how good he'll be in, like, a as a draw-go kind of guy. You know, you just, like, you play him turn 2, turn 3, draw-go, and then protect him with counter magic. And I think they talked about on that with uh, on the latest Ma- uh, Magic TV with, you know, TSG and LSV. But I don't. I think that's what made me think of. Hey, maybe this card isn't that bad. But I don't know. Just 
it's front side. If you don't have that, God, he's so bad. I, I don't care about humans. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, I just the front side. My problem is just the front side is so bad. I, I just not that interested because it depends I, on how. Like, I, I can't him. depend on him. Or like these werewolf cards can't rely on them flipping. At least he won't flip back. Oh no, he will still flip back. Yeah, he has he might just get screwed anyway. Yeah. Ugh, but I mean, yeah. like I said, that doesn't happen too much. I don't know. It just depends on how often you can flip them, and that's going to determine how good this guy is. But I just, uh, like, he better be really good in that Drago deck. That's all I got to say. Right. And I mean, really I, don't, good. I don't know how often, you know, people are going to be casting that one, but yeah. oh well. Next. Yeah. Molgraf Monstrosity for Triple Green for an 8 8 Trampler. When it dies, exile it, then return two creature cards at random from your graveyard to play. And the thing I thought when I saw him was I immediately thought, okay, one, wizards, you need to make more green, good, fatty creatures or whatever. But I think it's a step in the right direction. But how would you... Anthony, I'll I'll ask this question to you. Do you think this is better than Palaka Worm? I don't even like... I mean... Yeah, I don't like Palaka Worm either, to be honest. (laughs) I mean, so I know people like Palaka Worm, but eh, I, I really don't that much. But like, I thought Palaka Worm was definitely a step in the right direction. I don't. I feel like this is a sideways step. Um, I mean, granted, getting two cards at random, like getting two creatures back, is pretty strong. However, I imagine that being able to cast a guy like this in time, you're going to have cards in. You know, you're going to have cards in your deck like Lanawar Elves. Um, and things of that nature. Yeah, like and I'm, I'm not that excited about getting back, you know, one ones and two twos from this guy. It'd be different if it were something like uh, the, morning, the Morning Tide card that you can evoke. Oh, Revelark? Uh, Revelark. Why am I so bad at names sometimes? I know what these cards are. Um, so good. <laughs> uh, it, like, you know, if you had a choice of what you could get back. But the, the randomness and just, uh, I don't know, like, once again, still better than, you know, Scaled Worm or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a big step in the right direction, at least for that. Like, compare this to, uh, what was that, Force of Nature from back in the day? Yeah, it used to punch oh, you for eight. Yeah, you don't pay triple. green? Yeah, quad green. Yeah, but I don't know, like, I tried, like, his, his, uh... His mana to cost, whatever ratio, is pretty huge. Seven for an 8-8 trample is really nice. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, I tried him, you know, I put him in a cube, and somebody played it in kind of like a rock deck or something. Okay. And they had four creatures in their grave. It was like, I think, uh, Primetime Titan, a Fauna Shaman, some Elf, and some other six drop or something. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. He got back Prime Titan and Fauna Shaman. Yeah, I mean, I'm, really that's nice. pretty good. Yeah. I mean, there are different situations where he can be very good, but I, I don't know if I have room for big, dumb guys like this. I think there probably is. Like, I'm trying to encourage... I'm trying to see if the ramp strategies are good. But, I mean, the problem is I'm fine. I really, like, you know, I'll, I guess I'll shorten the soapboxes. It just seems like green hasn't been many getting many good fatties. It just seems like, would you rather play... Uh, Worm Coil Engine or Green Six Drop? Would you play Battle Sphere or Green Seven Drop or Eight, uh, you know, Sundering Titan or Eight Green Drop? Like, you know, there just doesn't seem to be much 
Right. There's not there's not much incentive for me to want to play these green guys over artifact creatures that are being printed, which yeah, can be used in any deck. Yeah. Like, am I going to play this guy over Battlesphere in a green deck? No. But I don't know. Like, I'm trying him out. See, like, if I'm trying to give the green ramp strategies a bit of a bone, I'm trying to give him a couple of big guys to ramp into, I don't know if it's going to work, but, you know, nothing's permanent. Uh, a, a card I'd like to mention real quickly that you don't have on this list is uh, Prey Upon. Oh, right. Right. Which is uh, one green, target creature you control, target creature they control fight. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, it's pretty much green removal. I mean, for one, for a single green. Yeah, your dudes and, are going to be bigger. And uh, ideally, your dudes are going to be bigger. Right, exactly. I mean, and it lets you get rid of, you know, problematic utility creatures in green. Um, like nice, nice. Uh, I don't know. Not the same mother of rings, but that doesn't work. Right, but I mean, you could do something as easily as here's the thing with mother of rings: attack you with this big guy. They're gonna be like, block it, give it pro green. You're like, you know, okay, well that sucks. Like, can't do that. But what if you attack? What if you're a multicolor deck, and you're like, attack with this white guy instead, and they're like. Block, give it protection from white. Now you can, now you can still bash it. Like if you have only green mana on tap, because a lot of times I don't know how many people are going to see removal coming out of the green side of your deck. Yeah, this. So. What? I, I don't know. I, I I think it's interesting. I, I don't know if it's good enough, but I but once again I think it's a step in the right direction because like I I kind of dig it. Like your guys bigger. Come on, wizards. Oh, and a uh, quick spell we also forgot: Victim of Night, the double black. Kill target non vampire non zombie non werewolf. Yeah, I don't know. Get in line behind terror. I'm almost to the point of kicking terror out of my cube. Yeah, and, exactly. and that's easier to cast than this. And yeah, not not that interested in that card. Although I can see if you if you love yourself some two mana removal spells at instant speed. You know, there's also it also goes behind that neg four neg four one too that was recently printed. Yeah, I'm like I do not like it, Sam. I am. I do not. Rage's Guile, speaking of combat tricks, uh, green instant target creature control gets plus one, plus one, and hexproof till EOT. Like, bad vines of basswood. Yeah, love that card in my sealed deck at the pre-release. Blew people out can, all the time with Ranger's Guile. I mean, nice. literally every time I cast it, blew somebody out. I mean, even insofar as, I mean, granted, they're super obvious, but I'm like, attack with attack with a 3-3 uh, three, three Lumber Knot and they block with, you know, 3-3 three, three worth of creatures, or a four, like 4-4 four, four, or 3-4 three, worth of creatures. It's like, make my guy a 4-4, four, four, kill both your guys, oh, plus two counters. Yeah, and it's like super blowout right there. Right. So, I mean, even just, you know, there's not that much removal in that format from what I've seen. Yeah. Like, just being able to give your guy hexproof for a green and a little bit of pump, pretty good. Yeah, so, it's, it's definitely pretty count, solid. Get, get in line behind Vines of Asswood, for sure. Yeah. And and as as I wrote an you know, article earlier this year about talking about combat tricks in the cube, kind of a dying breed. And this one, not quite. Yeah. Not quite. Makes me sad, but oh well. Plus, uh, and this one needs to be more than plus one, plus one. Yeah. I was about to say plus two, plus two or something. Just seems like you're not really getting that, like, the plus one, plus one doesn't really push you, you know, like above other creatures that much, I guess. Right. And then the hexproof is like, okay, cool. Right, you don't get to you don't get to go up the curve as much when it's only plus one plus one. Yeah, it's like a little incidental thing. 
Tree Tree of Redemption, Green to Green, O thirteen Defender. Tap to exchange your life total with Tree of Redemption's toughness. Seems like a defense you know, just a really defensive dude like like Wall of Reverence or something. I mean I don't know. Yeah, it's four mana like we were saying. Green four drops or stacks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, kind of interesting, kind of nifty, kind of a neat design. Don't think it's good enough, though. Yeah. Yeah, that, that covers green. And then we're going to just do multi and artifact real quick. Uh, Dice of St. Traps, uh, one in one blue, white, legendary creature, 2-2, two, two, hexproof. Whenever he attacks, put a 4-4 four, four white angel creature token with flying onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking, exile that token at the end of combat. And the way I see this guy is, the big, the main guy I compare this guy to is kind of like Demir Cutpurse, where it's like a saboteur creature, and for you, you know, kids who don't remember that term, it's kind of like, when they damage a player, they do something like Hypnotic Spectre, Illusion, uh, Cold Eye Selkie, and this guy, Demir Cutpurse was, I think, one blue-black, 2-2, two, two. whenever it damages, you know, double combat damage, you draw, they discard but it had no evasion. Right. So, I mean, it looked so amazing. I was like, God, you get super... Oh, that card was auto in my cube. Yes, I think same here. I think I have a friend who had a cube, and I put it in my cube because of that, but, like, the no evasion is so sad. Where I mean, both cards, both Demir Cutpurst and this guy are just the absolute nut against control where they don't have dudes because this guy's essentially attacking for six power for three. But against guys with creatures, like, okay, they play their, the guy who I apparently like tell, talking about, uh, Viridian Shaman, you know, like, Man War kind of guy, and then it's like, okay, do I, do I want to attack to essentially get a Hell Thunder? No? Not that interested. And once like, again, but it's awesome with equipment. Well, guess what? A lot of creatures are awesome with equipment. Yeah, exactly. Like, Hexproof is cool, like, and yeah, if you put a sword on it, it can help with evasion as well, but, again, how often that can happen? Yeah, and especially in a color combination that's not really very well known for its attacking. Yeah, it's so. just, man. If it like if it had flying instead of hexproof, I would just be totally in love with this card. But God, no evasion! Come on, come on, people. Uh, Olivia Voldarin, which does have evasion, two black, two black and red for a three-three flyer. One in a red deals one damage to another target creature. That creature is now a vampire. In addition to another type, put a plus one plus one counter on it on Olivia Newton John, and then three double black game control target vampires on the controller. Okay, so whatever, who cares? I think this card's insane. Yeah, I think she's sick. She seems, uh, yeah, she seems really good. I, I mean, this card can dominate a board like anybody else. I mean, here's the thing: just doing damage to other creatures gives it the counter. It's not like you have to kill the creature in order for it to get its counter. Other vampiric cards before it had to, it had to kill another creature in order for it to get the plus one, plus one counter. All this has to do is, you know, quote unquote, bite another creature and it gets bigger. Yeah. Even on an empty board, you can shoot itself to make it enormous. Oh, no, you can't, you can't. Uh, oh, it's, oh, it's another target creature. creature. But you can, like, hit, okay, don't care. Still don't care. Sorry, I'm a little excited there for a second. But you can hit your own dudes. Like, say you have a Graveborn use or something. Okay, EOT will deal to it. Right. Like, just at the end of turn, you can just be like, okay, ding my, uh, ding my tutu. Bigger. Yep. I mean, I'm sorry. This, this card seems insane to me, and 
the last ability, while it seems kind of worthless, I, I think it definitely has value in the late game. Like, if you draw this card late and they have, you know, their Kaiga or whatever, you're just like, oh, end the turn, ding, untap, thanks for the Kaiga bash. <laughs> for Titan or something? Thanks for the Falcon. Reminds me of that uh, insurance commercial. You saved me all this money. Ergo, you bought me a Falcon. Thanks for the Falcon. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the Kaiga. Thanks for this guy. Thanks for that guy. So, yeah. like, I think this card is... I think this card is very good. And 3-3 three, three flyer for 4 is just fine. Yeah, it dies to Bolt. Fine. But 3-3 three, three flyer for 4 is is nice to begin with, is a nice ratio. And to be honest, while Black has some nice 4-drops, Red's 4-drops, it's got a couple. Obviously, you got a couple really nice ones in Flame Tongue Kabu and, and Hero of Oxid Ridge, but... Well, they're kind of like Blacks, where they have pretty specific roles, where it's right. like, they're either removal on a stick, or they're LD, like uh, Avalanche Riders. Yeah, Avalanche Riders, and uh, what's his name? Goblin Room Blaster. Yeah, or like Molten Steel Dragon, which is... Right, wins the game. Yeah, <laughs> wins the game. Or like, yeah, like uh, Austin Ridge. There's these kind of weird... Car- and then, like, and maybe Instigator Gang, if he ends up being good enough. But yeah, I think she's she's got a home. Like I'm taking I'm taking out Sark and the Mad for it. Sad. If I have an alter like the amazing alter for it, like I I don't know. But I think Olivia is worth it. I think you should just auto include. I just think you should include the Usman the Red alter and just not care about balance issues. I mean, <laughs> it's you. It should be in your cube. I think you should uh, take a deep breath and relax a little bit and just have it be its own exception. And I don't think anybody would possibly blame you for that. But Olivia. <laughs> and then yeah. just add Olivia Voldarin and be done with it. There we go. And just be like, when people ask you, they're just like, well, your thing is unbalanced. And you're like, this is me. <laughs> this, did you see this card? It's me. So back off. They're like, but it's me. But it's me. <laughs> but who's the hell? Uh... Me. 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 This is me. 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 <laughs> By the way, uh, I sent him, uh, you know, David Merton Jones. I sent him a bunch of, I sent him a bunch of mimic vats and then a bunch of the business cards, and then wrapped them in a piece of paper and wrote a Wesley Willis song about him. Nice. Yeah, it's, yeah I was pretty proud. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I was so happy that when people were asking for song suggestions, that I remembered Vampire Bat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy about that. I felt like you said you said that, and then Norbert said. uh Game of the Fall by Opus. I'm like, you both just win. I cannot choose between you two. You just both win the entire meme slash internet right there. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's do, let's do some artifacts here. Um, I, I'm just not super impressed with, like, uh, Creepy Doll or Galvanic Juggernaut, Inquisitor's Flail, Manor Gargoyle. I just, eh. They just, I think- they're all just kind of expensive, like, and don't do enough, like, Inquisitor's Flail, if it actually said it had double strike, I might consider it. Um, but the fact that it just deals doubled, it's just literally its own personal furnace of wrath. Yeah, that's just sad. And, and it, you know, it gets it, it makes it so much more vulnerable to being blocked. Yeah. I don't know. Not a fan. Yeah, I was about to say, not really digging it. Creepy Doll, 5 mana. I'd rather have Stuffy Doll. Got right. any Juggernaut, like... You're not you're not the juggernaut bitch. Nope. 
Get out the way. Nope. This uh, Manor Gargoyle, like five mana, whatever, indestructible. Come on. That guy was awesome in my sealed deck, by the way. On oh, yeah, I can imagine. That guy is probably... Good lord. There were so many games, I'm like, man, I might lose here. And I'm like, oh, Manor Gargoyle. And it's like, well, that sucks. <laughs> I had the, uh, the Village Bell Ringer, and a few <laughs> times... Uh, a few times I'd be like, uh, equip my Manor Gargoyle, bash you for six, go, and they're like, oh, sweet, attack. Like, Village Bell Ringer, block my 6-4 indestructible. Like... <laughs> That happened a couple times, too, so... Wow. While I think the card's really neat and limited, the card is not so neat compared to what you can be doing in the cube. Yeah, you've got... I mean, Scars of Mirrodin block. We've got... We've got, uh, you know, Razor Main Massacors. We've got Worm Quell Engines. We've got Precursor Golems at Usman's Bargain Bin or whatever. Right. Hey, come down to Usman's Bazaar. <laughs> Wacky. <laughs> and bizarre. Yeah, it's just... Hey, it's no. the bizarre bazaar. Hey, we got hey. homophones here. We got we got some homophones. We got homophones too. <laughs> Owen Vatterstall forgot that guy too. Yeah. Especially um, since he cracked it in like fifty packs or something. Jeez. Right. Uh, I, I think Evil Twin is kind of interesting. Once again, I, the cards I'd have to be removing for it. Not too impressed with it. And it doesn't have a circle beard for some reason. No yeah. idea why it doesn't have a circle beard. I don't care that I own a sharpie. It's Injustice that it does not have a circle beard. That's all. Yeah, somebody, somebody done messed up. Even though the flavor is awesome, the fact that it doesn't have a circle beard makes me so mad. I'm just, just not going in my cube. Yeah. Uh, Grimoire of the Dead, you know. It's, what, yeah, what does it require? Three counters or whatever? Yeah, yeah card. cool EDH card, but nah. Yeah. I, I think another thing we should mention real quickly, too, is if you guys like the uh, M10 cycle of lands, Clifftop Retreat and Hinterland Harbor and, and this cycle, just finish that other cycle and you should play them. If you like the M, if you like the M10 lands, you should be running these guys too. Yeah, I, I really want to like uh, what's that Kessig Wolf run? Yeah, that card's kind of like, but I'm, I don't know. I'm not taking out Raging Ravine for it. Right, but Especially if you're you know if you're on the guild system too, like, I, I, and yeah. the card's very interesting, and I think the card has some potential, but I don't know. I, I just don't know if that's what I want to be doing. That's all. It gives your it gives your small guys reach, which is nice. Sure. Like your two twos become like eight two tramples or whatever. Right. The fact that it gives trample makes me want to try it. Yeah. If it wasn't trample, forget it. And for me, I mean, I subscribe as is well documented. I subscribe to a, a slightly different organizational method. Um, yeah, and you have different strokes for different folks. I mean, but I kind of I kind of want to try this card. Like I, I want to see how powerful it is, and I don't, I don't think it'll take very long to figure it out. Would you run the uh, Gavani Town whatever, the card that's like tap for a colorless and then two white-green tap would put some plus one counters on all your dudes? No, it, it's so expensive. Okay. It's, it's essentially five mana to plus one, plus one, your guys. Yeah, it is free at least. I mean, it, it's free. Right, it doesn't cost you card or whatever, but if the, if the blue, if the black-red land would have done two damage to creature or player, I would run that. Oh, I would be totally in love with that card. In a heartbeat. When I first saw the card, we were like, whoa. And I was like, ah, oh, it's only players. Man. Yeah, like, worst vortex ever. Like, oh, if it did creatures too, this card would be awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That would that would be really sick. <laughs> but, alas. It yeah. Be. Well, That's man, I, I think we've uh, 
we've given people quite a bit to, to listen to tonight. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to top the limited resources four and a half hours. No, we're not close to that. <laughs> we've we've been going for a few hours, but some of it has been dealing with difficulties, and you know we'll wind up on the editing room floor as well, the yeah. virtual editing room floor. Yeah, it's gonna go on the Audacity chopping block or whatever. Right, exactly. Well, yeah, let's. Uh, this you is know. really interesting set. Like a lot of really interesting. Like the werewolves, I think, are really interesting in terms of you know card evaluation. Like I don't know if anybody really has really grasped it. Like, I'm wondering if, like, the 1-5 Defender would be, like, super crazy in a counterburn deck or something. I, I think the one, the werewolf that flips to fight other creatures, I think has a, a quite a bit of potential as well. Yeah, because it's just, like, four powers. Like, okay. Well, yeah, when that guy flips, he's, I mean, he's going to kill other creatures. And if that guy is left alone and you can just start grinding, you know, grinding removal, you know, non-card using removal spells on your opponent, seems like it'd be tough to beat. Another, I just don't know if I have room for it, but I, I really want to like that guy. And he's got a cool hat. I just want, you know, I, I just have to be okay with the front ends. Yeah. And the front end, I don't know. It shoots down a decent amount of flyers, I think. Sure, but yeah, Defenders is really awkward, especially in red decks. Yeah. Not not a fan of Defenders and red decks, that's for sure. No. That's my issue with it. A lot of really interesting cards, and it depends, you know, we're going to see how, how many work out, but, you know, got a lot of options. This is true. This got is a lot, especially in black, which I think needed a good shot in the arm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, getting getting a 2-2 two, two for one, getting a good, cheap Planeswalker, uh, getting a, a decent finisher in the Blood Gift Demon, I, I, I think those are all things that black could really use, because I think black has really been starting to lag behind uh, the other colors as far as power. They've, they've taken white, and they've sufficiently ramped white up in, in current years. Blue is blue. Red is red. Uh, you know, I, I would like to see black and green continue to get some more support um, and continue to get better. So sounds like uh, sounds like we're heading in the right direction. So Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, remember you can get a hold of us, uh, the show email, which is power at gmail.com. Um, you can... Uh, follow me on Twitter, which is Antney, A-N-T-K-N-E-E-4-2. Um, most likely I'll make some sarcastic remarks about one of your favorite cards, but okay. <laughs> uh, that. Or some, bad, some really bad uh, magic MTG pickup lines in, uh, in uh, honor of Darwin Castle's magic and dating article. Oh, dear. Yeah. Usman's got a uh, Twitter, too. Yep. Usman the Red, where I talk about, I don't know, stuff. Mostly cute. <laughs> that, that, that is a glowing endorsement of your Twitter account. <laughs> Talk about stuff. Talk about things. Stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much, uh, yeah, you know, we we tend to talk about cube a good amount. And Twitter's, you know, nice, I think. Yeah, Twitter's basically just a giant chat room for being able to talk about things. A giant, really slow chat room. It depends sometimes. Sometimes it moves at the speed of light. Sometimes it's just glacially slow. Depends of course. Really. You can uh, catch Usman's articles on StarCityGames.com. Uh, you can catch my articles on uh, QuietSpeculation.com. I'm sure we will both be having our independent reviews going up of uh, this set as well, where we will likely talk about more cards than what we mentioned today. Um, I know for myself, I'm definitely going to take the opportunity to make some make some jokes and make fun of some cards. And Usman's will probably be a little more on the up and up and a little more academic than mine is, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I think mine's coming out next Monday, I think, 
I'm not sure. That sounds right. Yeah, I'm going to jam mine and see if I can maybe get it up on uh, on Friday. If not, maybe we'll get it up on Monday. Just need some time to sit down and, and crank it out. So, yeah. and I need to start writing again now that my job has settled down some and my performing has settled down some. Uh, I, I really want to start doing some some new articles on. We we do plenty of deck. We do plenty of uh, cube construction articles. Um, but I think I'd like to start doing some more deck construction articles. So, yeah, like archetypes, I think. And yep. yep. So keep an eye out for those, and hopefully I can get some uh, some other ideas. Hopefully that will come to fruition as well. So I don't know, man. I think that's about it. I'm sure people can find us uh, if they want. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, Words to part on. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> All right, should we uh, sign off on the episode? Yeah, I think we, I think we've we've said quite enough. I think okay. we've said quite enough. Well, we do have to say one more thing. This is true. Rock over London, rock on Chicago. Portal Three Kingdoms. History is in your hands. See you guys next time. Good luck with your release events. <laughs>